He taught me, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. To infinity and beyond! No crying? There's no crying in baseball! Welcome back to Know Your Cinema Podcast. My name is Devlin Clemens, and with, with me today is Vivin Matthew. We are sans Jason Quinn for this uh, part of the episode. And the reason why is I want to explain to you folks is that last week, Vivin had chosen a movie called The Witch. And this movie was a movie that none of us had seen. None of us had any kind of inkling as to what goes on in this movie. And what we did was we all just sat down and watched the movie. However, we have unwritten rules here on Know Your Cinema podcast. I, myself, um, I do not like violence towards animals, um, especially household pets, cats, dogs. Um, so it's something that I can't stomach. But the real reason why um, we're doing this as me and Vivin is because the second rule is no violence against children. And in, early in this movie, there was a scene involving a, an infant. And it wasn't graphic in the sense of, well, it showed something. It, it kind of led you to use your imagination as to what happened to this child. And unfortunately, Jason Quinn, that's that's Jason's rule, and it's also Vivian's rule. Um, Jason refused to, to to finish the movie because of that. So, however, me and Viv did, uh, you know, go through it and make sure that, you know, we watched the movie and we, we, we kind of gritted our teeth and got through it. So, um, without any further ado, I want to bring on Viv and Matthew. Please say hello to our lovely audience. Hey, guys. Uh, I do want to also um add on to that maybe you were going to bring up this fact as well jason will be with us uh in the next segment uh, in fact the uh the movie that we are going to be reviewing reviewing as our normal review is going to be the movie donnie darko uh, but that's coming up next uh, but we still wanted to fulfill uh the expectation set from last week which was to review the movie the witch so we since both of us did end up watching it all the way through i figured uh, it would be an opportunity to still discuss it and uh, at least let our feelings be known as far as our impressions and reactions to what we saw. Sure. Uh, you know, I was going to bring up the the fact that um, we as a group got together on a video call last night and made a, an executive decision for the podcast to uh, call an audible and watch a movie. So, but to deliver... A weekly podcast, that's what you have to do sometimes is make the sacrifices to what happens. We've changed things. We've moved around. We've we've done all kinds of things to ensure that we give you the weekly podcast. So well, you are getting two movie reviews. So the witch, yes. the, the witch and you're going to be getting Donnie Darko as a bonus. Um, so it's kind of like we're going back to season one where we're reviewing multiple movies. Um, 
something that you know we all agreed that we wouldn't do again but these circumstances are beyond our control so we want to be honest with you guys we want to make sure that we're telling you guys the truth and 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 letting you know exactly what's going on we didn't want to throw you a curveball and say hey sorry if you watch the witch this week then you know you're not getting it you're not going to get that review so we want to make sure that we're, we're doing the best we can if it would have been anything i would have done a small review even if Vivian didn't finish it, I would have done a small review on it in in the the the, the Donnie Darko episode. But Vivian, you know, like I said, to his credit, uh, powered through it and and got to the movie. So, without th- any further ado, let's talk about the witch, Vivian. Okay, um, you know, you were the one who got through it first. Um, I remember by the time we had the the call and we made the decision to change the movies i was only maybe a half hour into it so what happened that night was i couldn't stop thinking about the movie then i made the executive decision for myself well i'm going to just finish the film good or bad and once i finished the film i was like well now i have to talk about it even if it's just for five minutes i need to have an outlet to kind of speak on the experience so having said that since you are the one to finish the movie first uh, i want to hear your initial reactions what were your Maybe it'll be cool. Did you have any expectations going into this film? What type of I, I, horror movie you were you were setting yourself up for? I, I read the synopsis of it, and because I, I didn't know what I was getting into, so um, I try to do that with all the movies. That it's not going to give it too much away. It kind of gives you the, the the basic story of what's going to go on. Yeah. Um the the sixteen forties aspect of things made me you know I was like oh, okay that's going to be different. Um, the the way I kind of read it was kind of an encompassing of a lot of uh, folklore, uh, fairy yeah. tales, or um, you know scary stories parents would tell their children to get them to sleep, or do things that they want them to do. But, you know, with, with it was kind of an encompassing of all those tales. Um, but it, and a reimagining at that too, because it's visually there. I mean, none of us lived in the in the 1640s to understand the dynamic of things. <laughs> um, my initial impressions of the movie: this isn't a this isn't a scary movie. Um, this isn't a horror movie, in the sense of it's not. There's not uh, that scary esque, you know, like typical jump thing that's going. The through. jump scares. The jump scares. This is yeah. more of an emotional, emotional roller coaster for any individual. I, I and I understand that your wife watched this with you too, um, and got emotional at this movie. In the in the thirty minutes that you watched it, am I right? Yeah, she didn't finish the rest of it. Okay. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, she, I, she, yeah, I think that that is a when a movie can do that, it's it's both a, a terrible thing and a, and a beautiful thing because it is you have gotten so enthralled in the story of the movie that it has drawn some type of emotion out in you, right? Um, but at the same time, it's the it's. It's the wrong type of emotion, if if you know what I mean. But it's done that. It's done its job, and I can see where it would make some people upset. Uh, Jason, your wife, Jason's girlfriend. I, I mean, it, it it can it can really draw that emotion out of someone. Yeah. There, let me go with, let I, me go with I, the, just to oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, one thing I'll just clarify is 
maybe Beth at some point might watch the rest of it. So she didn't write the movie off, okay. but it definitely is. It it uh, scarred her to go along with. Yeah, it, it it's one of those movies that will definitely. She'll have to. It it to the start yeah. from the part where she cried and like moved forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, like so. Let's talk about. I want to talk about the good parts of this movie. Because this movie wasn't okay. terrible in a sense of storytelling. Um, I think that the story in itself was good. I, I really think that the the director and the, the writer did a good job of making the story make you think about what's going on. And I agree. It was very it was a very odd movie in the sense of I had they were talking the, the dialect that they used and the wording they used was very old, like very, very like Quaker, um, uh, Puritan, old, old, very old English type of dialects. I actually had to use the subtitles on this movie to to understand what they were saying because there was a lot of times um, they were speaking. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, this isn't making sense in my head because we're so used to a certain type of English uh, dialogue and how we say things. Um, it's being presented in a way that um, we, we're not uh, we're not used to. So I, I appreciated the fact that they didn't just come out and just was like talking like our English, like American English. They they really stuck to that type of you know um, pilgrim type uh, old English type dialogue. So um, I really do I really did appreciate that. I appreciated how it was filmed and it felt like it was very like overcast and there was not really any sunlight ever. <laughs> I felt like that whole movie was just, they were like, okay, it's overcast. Let's film. And it just had this really dull, almost like it's about to rain type feeling. It felt very old. It was, it was lit. Like how, it, how it was just, I don't know. It had this really like not eerie feeling, but like a very like just ominous Yes, undertone, uh, just by the how it was shot. I uh, so the little bit that I, that I read on the behind the scenes of this movie because this movie got me super curious. Uh, I'll, I'll just speak to that little portion. The the uh, the director insisted on it all being natural lighting, so they did not do any extra lights. The interior were actually lit by the candlelight. Uh, the actual. Um, the farm and the houses were built by the specifications of how it would have built in that time period. Right. The uh, language was specifically consulted with the uh, the British and the American museums that w- has knowledge of the accents and the dialects of that time period. So there's right. extensive focus was to be authentic, uh, to be authentic, and I, it comes through in the sense that even if we were not part of that time period. Right. It slips through unconsciously. You feel the authenticity kind of slipping through. Right. And I think that's the horror is more coming from that kind of place of you feel like everything is happening in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it's not the jump scare that gets to you. No, it's not. It's the, it's the, I, I, I attribute, I, I or not, I, try, I kind of compare it to when I was a kid is that my bed my, in, my, in our first house that I grew up in from the age when I was born to the age of nine, my bedroom was in my mom's room and my bed was up against the window. 
and there was no curtain on the window. So there was, I could see out the, the window and there was like our garden and then there was the woods. And so as a child, my mind would play tricks on me and I would get scared of what was outside that window. So yeah. that's what this movie in a sense of a feeling brought to me. It's the, it's the fear of the unknown, like what could be out there. And my, that, that was, it was kind of one of the, the bigger issues of what I took part of this movie. For me, it was okay. In the beginning, a baby is stolen why are we not out there looking for this child? They, you, you say it's a wolf. Well, let's go find this baby. Why are we yeah. not, why are we not getting knives and pitchforks and we're going out in the woods and looking for this baby? I don't care what time period it is. You're going to go look for this child. Now are, are, you're saying that the, why did the father, why the didn't kids all of them go? Why didn't every well, one of them uh, go out there and look for that child? What in the dad? I mean, I get. Well, I guess part period. of that is. Well, no, I, I, I think part of that is alludes to the father's pride, or at least that's how he frames it, because he walked away from the community, right? And he's and he wanted to seclude his family right. because he thought that the church was not adhering to how he thought should be the religious practices. Sure. So and then he still persisted even after his child was lost to continue to not seek help and right. keep his family isolated. Sure. So in some sense yes it's the father who mm -hmm. is yeah it, there is a lot of undertone religious and moral undertones right. that's kind of feeding that. And yeah it, that that part is it, it's the, especially as a parent mm -hmm. that 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 hurts me to no end. Like I mean I, I don't care if, if I was by myself. I would go look for your child. Be out there in the woods. Yeah, you're, I'm like it's a death or find right. him. It's your yeah. natural instinct I, I, to go I, find. I either die searching for him, yeah, or I find him. That's it. Because to me, it's like if you believe it's a wolf, then like it's a it's a wolf. Then if you, but if you believe it's a if it's a witch, then it's a witch. Like you can't you can't yeah. you can't say it's one or the other. Like you should be out there looking for that child. Um, yeah. Regardless of it, you know, you find it deceased or not. Like, that's what you should be looking for. Um, th that That's one part I had a problem with. The other part I had, this movie kind of like, there were quick scenes. And it was kind of flashing back and forth. Like, going, did we know what was real, what wasn't real? Uh, type, type thing that was going on there. Um... Which played in your mind too, which was part of the, the gimmick that it was going for. Um, yeah. The 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 cast is good. The cast is fine. I thought everybody did their roles correctly. Everybody's different. Even the kids yeah. are different in their own own right. Um, I I had a really really hard time with the ending of the movie. Um, I I, I appreciate <laughs> the the surprise finish or should I say of this movie but I didn't really like the ending because there's there's no up there's no upcomings in this in this movie so like if this is a one-off then 
so there has to be a good there has to be some kind of ending that's okay and makes sense to the audience. Not saying that the the there has to be a hero has to win in the end, but something that makes us leave without going without more questions than answers. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And I felt like there was a lot of there was a lot left on the table there for the audience to think about and and ask more questions. But if there's no second part to this, then why are we finishing the movie this way? With you know, because for me, I felt like Thomason. She was, um, and that yes, that is her name in the movie is Thomason. Um, I felt yeah. like she didn't have an arc. Like she was the same character throughout the whole thing. And then she fell off the table at the end. And like, you felt like she was going to get her upcomings in this movie. And she didn't like all this fear and anxiety that she had and all this blame and hatred that she had, like she didn't get to fulfill, you know, the, I don't want to say destiny, but, the the you know writing the wrong does that make sense yeah it almost takes the opposite track yeah it almost it, takes it it, it 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 goes further like in typically movies either resolves or gives a character an arc or a story an arc where the audience has a satisfaction satisfying ending where it resolves all of the issues that were built up throughout yeah. the story or it ends in a way where you are just kind of left and alert. Here, it almost does the opposite. It pushes you further down. Like, it, it starts in a bad place and then keeps going till you're like six. Yeah, it, it's your layers down yeah. and there is no, like, there, there's no light. It just keeps taking you down, down, down. Yeah. Down. And so one technical question I had was, is Thomason's character, was she... I'm, I mean, obviously, yeah, this is a spoiler-filled uh, commentary. It, is she a witch the entire time, or is she chooses that at the end when she's given up hope? I think it's... Remember how the, the, the one little girl, her sister, was uh-huh. saying that she was a witch? And she said yeah. Black Phillip told her she was a witch? And we all know what Black Phillip turned out to be. And it's part of the manipulation. I think that he put in their head, the kid's head that she was, and with all these things happening, it starts. You start to the, the people around her start to believe it, and then she's in complete denial. And then when her whole world crumbles around her, she has no choice but to finally fulfill what he actually said she was. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, because no, yes. she never no, got Phillip, harmed in the movie. She never does. Yeah, and and because of that, it it always so it's, and, it's funny. And because, well, let me finish on that. And okay, witch folklore, from what I can remember, is that witches are always they start young, about Thomason's age, and then because they don't ever die but they age and they age grotesquely but they're still right. witches so 
at the end when we see spoiler alert when we see all those witches are the covenant around the fire they're yeah. all young yeah so are you i think what was happening in this movie was black philip was grooming her to be another witch but he had to basically break her down and destroy everything she loved in order to make her become a witch. Okay. Oh, okay. This is almost like <laughs> this is the this is the the darkest, the most twisted coming of age story. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's almost like a recruiting. Yeah, sixteen hundreds recruiting video for how to make Witches. a how to make a, a girl become a witch. That's oh, what I took okay. from it. But we had to encompass uh, I mean, a it, whole story around it. Okay, yes. The, that reading makes much more sense than... At first glance, when I finished the film, first of all, I was just kind of... bit bit of shock. I was like, wait, hold right. on. She does not have to be a witch. Then I'm, my initial reaction was, does that mean that she was a witch the entire time? But I think your reading makes more sense. She finally just gives in to the yeah, fact. Yeah, because she says, I won't sign. And mm. then we cut to her walking yeah. in the woods. Yep. So yep. she signed. Which she means had that to she sign. Did. He either yep. threatened her life or basically gave her, showed her something she could have and that she wanted or whatever. Because she's got nothing now. Everybody's gone. All of her siblings, family, mm. everybody's gone. That's it. He, has, he broke her down into where she's going to be either alone in those woods and in that farm or he was going to kill her. Yeah. It's I, I don't it know. Is a, it is a it is a mind much... it is a true mind fuck of a movie. In, uh, yes, in, uh, in I the, not in the worst sense, but in the sense of like you can interpret it a thousand different ways because like I said they're encompassing multiple stories about witches stealing babies and which is killing animals and uh, religious overtones of witchcraft. And so there's just so much story in there. And like I said, it's a well-built story for what it is, but there's, I have, there's so many problems. I have so many problems with it being considered a horror movie that uh, it really kind of irks me. Not saying you made a bad choice. This is just something you wanted to see. Um, but it just—I don't think it falls in the line. Of, now, very emotionally charging movie, yes. Very, very scary in the sense of like how it's shot and the uh, the undertones, yes. But horror movie, there wasn't a lot of gore. There wasn't a lot of, you know, stuff like that. There was a, it, it almost had like possession movie wrapped into it too, with uh, with her brother. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically not gore, but what happens in the first act, just by the implications of it, is probably the worst kind of well, gore. I mean, you can they came imagine. out the gate hot on that one. Because I yeah. was like, uh, I looked and I was like, it, <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to spoil the scene for everybody. This is the scene that made everybody um, emotional. Whip. Yes, you know you might want to 
if you have uh, if you have if you have maybe. ladies in the room who are um emotionally charged by something like this or you don't want to listen to this, you should anybody fast you forward can skip a couple a few of minutes. minutes, yes. Yeah. Yes. So the scene is uh Thomason's playing with the baby in the field and she's playing peekaboo with it. And she's playing peekaboo, she's playing peekaboo, and then she she does she closes her puts her hands over her eyes, says peekaboo again. The child is completely gone in a flash, gone. But she hears movement in the woods. And she looks in the she looks at the woods. She doesn't actually go to the woods. And then we see a cutscene to someone in a red veil running through the woods with a baby. Uh, later, it is cutscene to a candlelit room. It's very dark, and the baby's laid out, still alive. But a, uh, basically, a knife is put to its skin, and then the scene is cut. And then we see the what appears to be a very old naked lady uh, muddling something in a a stone jar, just stone uh, goblet, and it ends up being blood paste, and she's rubbing it over her body. And then we cut to another scene. But to believe is she killed the baby and used the the baby's blood and and skin and flesh as a way to stay young, which is usually the folklore with witches. Um, mm. Don't know. It's all to your imagination, but I can, like I said, I, again, I can see how that would make anybody who is a mother or a father very upset and very squeamish. Yeah, apparently this... The what happens in there has an actual term. It's called a uh, a flying ointment, where witches use the fat of the children. Now, traditionally, it was digged okay. out of their graves. So, it, yeah, clearly, this is coming from like medieval mm-hmm. witchcraft, early modern period. Uh, yeah, apparently it's supposed to be some kind of concoction that makes like a hallucinogenic ointment. So clearly it's... You dug a lot deeper really... than I did on that one, buddy. Yeah. You yeah, dug just, a lot just, deeper on that one. Wikipedia. I was just going through the motions. Vivin went all technical and shit on us. Uh, <laughs> well, so I think I learned something from watching this movie as far as my own... Now, I, I think it's been pretty clear if uh, any of the listeners have listened to any of our previous episodes or our past season. Uh, our, our tastes and genres are, uh, for me, you and Jason, are we come from pretty diverse and diametrically opposite backgrounds, which is what makes the podcast so much fun to do. Um, from a horror perspective, I might be the least... Uh, least uh, I guess seasoned. Uh, I, I least much. Yes, least seasoned. Yeah, that's the perfect word for it. Um, but I think I learned as far as the type of horror movies that I like tends to lean more towards uh, psychological mm-hmm. horror rather than straight mm-hmm. uh, slasher or jump scare horrors, which which does have its part, but I don't think it gets to me as much as psychological horror because of my own upbringing, where 
it was i was a very uh, i was brought under very religious sure. um uh, upbringing which i mean the uh, i mean even things like demons speaking in tongues healing all of these things are not considered abstract things but were believed to be actual things right so for so you know and so for that reason i did not have you know i was easily squeamish to watch any kind of horror movies that would make me have to think about anything that mm-hmm. you know lurks in the dark have you ever have you ever seen um, a movie called in the name of the rose i have not it's a sean connery movie uh is that a uh I've, yes, i think that's something yeah. i think that that I've movie's right it, but i've alley. heard I about it that movie was, it's kind of a detective okay. religious mystery set in uh an, an older time an older time period i think i think yeah i think like that, that movie's right because <laughs> i started thinking about like i seen the movie when i was a kid and it was uh it was it, it didn't terrify me but it just it always stuck with me in my mind like how the people looked in this movie and i don't know why it just always stuck with me just like not scared me but like I, I didn't watch it until again until I was an adult and I'm like oh, this movie still just freak just creepy like it's not scary it's just creepy it just creeps me out but it's a good movie I mean it really is a good movie yeah that's yeah I, I think that might be a better word for it a creepy films like it's more like there's a mm-hmm. tone that is set that kind of lingers well after you've there's there's different the genres of horror there there's paranormal there's slasher there's uh thriller horrors there's thriller movies i mean there's there's just different there's there's sci-fi horror there's just different technically aliens is a horror movie so yeah, yeah oh, technically I, I aliens is a horror movie but it would some people would say well no it's a sci-fi movie but it's it, they're they're scary shit in that movie like you get scared as fuck in that movie it's a sci-fi oh, yeah. horror a so sci-fi there's different horror. genres so yeah. it's all yeah. about what your taste is. I prefer a lot of different horror movies. I don't know why, but I just do. That's just my taste of, of movies. You have a specific taste of horror movies that you like. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to apologize for that. You just not been articulated to different genres of horror. So that's what we have this podcast for, you know, and you, you took a shot in the dark when you chose this movie because you thought in your mind, it was going to be what you love. And it turned out to be something completely fucking different. Yes. And now I'm not, uh, in some ways, I can't say it did exactly what it set out to do. It completely right. got under my skin. Uh, now, I, I don't know if you would agree with this, but some parts of this, I kept thinking back to the movie that had a similar effect on me. And again, that movie does not have many jump scares, but it's clearly in the horror genre, and that's the movie The Shining. It's been years since I've seen The Shining, but The Shining, was at, the, at, at its apex, was one of the scariest movies ever made. Because it's a, it's a, it is a mind, it is a mind yeah. fuck of a movie. It is. It, it, it just leaves you kind of hollow, very just... You, you feel and, disturbed and at the be, end of it. There's something honest, absolutely wrong about the, the movie. The reason that movie is so good is not because of anything other than Kubriak directing it. 
And it's because Kubriak yeah. is a completely fucked up individual that was. And <laughs> he could make you just like not like you're like, good Lord, what is going on? It's like when I watch the movie Eyes Wide Shut, I'm like, I have no fucking clue what's going on in this movie, but I cannot stop fucking watching this shit. There's a fucking train wreck <laughs> wrapped up in a plane crash, wrapped up in an orgy, wrapped up in so much shit going on, and this dialogue is garbage, and Tom Cruise is in it for some strange fucking reason. Like, but I'm still fucking watching it, and then I finish it, I'm like, this was fucked. What the fuck? Why did I waste all this time watching this movie? But I watched it because Kubriak directed it, and then I'm in the middle of it, I'm like, Kubriak's directing this. Why am I questioning this? Yeah, um, yeah. Clearly, it's a it's a it's a tasting. But I, all I meant to say was that it's it clearly has some kind of even there. Kubrick very much leaned more towards mm-hmm. how the mm-hmm. setting and the location and mm-hmm. uh, and the music and the lighting was. Everything was just only concentrated towards right. creating a tone that would disturb the audience. It was not. He was not really mm-hmm. concerned about the jump scares or how the creature was going. It's. It's like you just. A, felt horror, wrong a horror movie should it. use every one of your senses, but taste and touch. You should be able to mm-hmm. feel like you're in whatever room you're in, watching that movie or setting you're in, and feel terrified as a fourth party watching this in, in, inside the fourth wall. You should feel. You should yeah. feel that. There are very few movies that make make someone do that in the horror genre, but there are a lot of times where you get all the senses all together and you're like, oh shit, what's going on? And then all of a sudden there's the scare. And now a different emotion is brought on you because you were looking and watching and listening and and hearing everything that's going on around you and you're like, Okay, because there's some horror movies where you watch and you're like, okay, something's going to happen and all this ear music and then nothing. And then it goes dead silent or there's something else goes on and then all of a sudden there it is. And this movie, I, I just there, I don't think there was a lot of that. I think it was just there was a lot of shock value. They were just throwing shock and shock and shock and shock at you over and over again. And it just didn't, to me, it didn't feel, it didn't feel natural as a horror movie. It didn't flow like it should as a horror movie, but maybe it wasn't built to be a horror movie. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't I know. I wasn't in the director's mind, but like I said, if I'm going into this thing and it's a horror movie, I don't think it is. I think it's just a very strange and fucked up and scary movie. And I did not appreciate, as soon as I saw the dog, I was like, shit. This dog's getting it. I just knew it. I'm like, I fuck. Now I got to live through this. Um, speaking of animals, Black Phillip, the goat, and the rabbit. I, <laughs> I never thought a little tiny rabbit just sitting at the have center you, of a frame. Have you never seen give me the Monty Python and the Holy Grail? I. The rabbit, the killer rabbit. I'm trying to remember. It's just a bunny. It's a killer. It's a killer. Oh, <laughs> what, you never seen that? Come on now. It's a fucking killer rabbit. Uh, oh, well, I mean, I hope that was. Yes, I hope yes, that was yes, an homage. Yes. I, I, I guess I. 
to to Monty Python. I really uh, do because that was I was like because witches can take can shape shift. They can the folklore is that they can shape shift into animals yeah. or whatever. Um, and I think that was part of it. It also it also is cute and innocent, and it doesn't look imposing. Yeah. Well, okay, uh, maybe that's the one thing that I did want to kind of highlight. Yes, the rabbit is traditionally innocent, but there was something about this specific rabbit that they casted for this specific role. I don't know if it was the way well, it was technically probably hair up, or it wasn't just a rabbit. the Okay, the coloring of something about the coloring, the way he maybe it was the way he was framed, I don't know. But something about the way he looked it's supposed to be cute. It's because rabbits, kind of as much as, as cute balance. as rabbits are, they look like diabolical little shits. When they stand up and <laughs> stare at you, like and look through your fucking soul, like I'm not scared of rabbits, but like yeah. I've like sat and looked like had a staring contest with a rabbit for like three minutes before. Like they'll fucking stare at you yeah. and like go through your soul. Like okay, I'm gonna stand here. And- Stand here and eat and like watch your ass. Like, so what? What are you gonna do? So I think it's just a matter of uh, that first that first scene where we see the rabbit and they're trying to shoot it, and they're having to use that authentic flintlock big ass elephant yeah. gun to shoot this tiny ass rabbit. Yeah, and then missed. And it was just a you know we learn later that yeah. you know the dad was a terrible hunter and terrible farmer and all this shit. And the only thing he could do was split wood, right? Which was funny when he got mauled into the fucking wood pile. I thought it was fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah. I, the rabbit, I think it just, the rabbit symbolized just like how something, how something can look, but it's not what it seems to be. Like the dad looks like right. a very masculine father, like a provider, but he's not. How the rabbit looks like a rabbit, but it's not. Everything's not what it seems to be. Yes, he he. It, at the start of the movie, he the the father comes prickish. off as super right, prickish, righteous, self righteous, and uh, holier than thou. But as the movie progresses, you come to find out obviously he has no survival skills. Yet he puts his family in the most right. isolated position possible and he mm-hmm. he lies his way through so that he can you know so that the family can survive so he keep breaking his own mm-hmm. rules that he set for himself to live by so all of that also you know kind of plays into how the story unfolds and it's it's that kind of mishmash of and for me those things kind of I don't want to say hit home, um, but in in the sense no. when you have a religious upbringing, those kind of values and things are like so drilled into you that when a movie kind mm-hmm. of starts to play with those elements and uh, and really kind of mess with your head as to well, what happens if you stretch it this way? What if you take a turn that you did not expect? What happens then? So you really feel kind of flustered, and uh, and that that is the kind of effect that I didn't want but yeah I, I think that just because when you watch a period piece every time period that we go through nowadays if we're going back in time we can go through a different time period we can go through the 80s and the, and the 70s and the 60s keep going back the further back we go men 
have have evolved and changed over that course of time. So your character of a man in the 1600s has to be a man who is a provider for his family. He is he and he's prideful because that's how men were. They they felt like they had to provide for their family. They felt like they had to do all of this while the wife, you know, took care of the home. That's that's how they felt. That's how they were brought up that, you know, it was passed on that that's what his responsibility as a man was. And he was having an internal struggle with himself because he was failing at all these things. Like when he was chopping wood, it was just to me, it was like a symbol of like, this is the only thing that I'm good at. So I'm going to keep doing it. As you can see from the. Yeah. yeah. The traditional manly thing that I can do. I thought it was uh, interesting that they cast an actor who mm. has such a deep baritone, you know, resembling mm. a traditional manly man. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, like I said, but, you know, uh, we, we can go through the evolution of, of men from, you know, I just, like, when you, when you read something about men from even the 1800s, I, I feel like men were, held themselves in a different standard to in that time period. Even how they talked and how they were quoted, like, you read some of these quotes and you're like, that's some powerful shit. Why don't people talk like this anymore? Like they, you know, you read about civil war battles or people dying on the battlefield and like them not wanting to leave their men or whatever, whatever you read, like there, there are, I mean, there are men out there like that today, but that's like, it's so noble and, 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 and things like that. So I like to, I don't feel bad for the character because he put himself in that position and didn't like suck his pride up. And that cost him a lot of things. But at the same time, like I can, I appreciate how that character was built um, to show the audience and how uh, of a time frame that it was. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a, a good description there. But um, I, I think that uh, we should go through the traditional um, favorite scene um, for both of us. Uh, that way, we're not holding up too much time here. Uh, get that out the way. Um, I'll go first. Sure. Um, so okay. my favorite scene was <laughs> was when when Black Philip killed the father, not because he killed the father, it's because I I laughed so hard when he when he pushed him into the damn log pile, <laughs> and he just stood there and stared at him, and I'm like, that's like a a big old bite of poetic justice shit sandwich. Um, you're now covered in the logs that you cut up and killed by your, your goat. Like, I, I, I just I found that I found that way too. Yeah, it, it was very poetic. Funny, moment, that's for sure. And I, I, I was like one of those things like I shouldn't have laughed, but because it was a very serious moment in the movie. But I was just like I just like the wood falling on top of him. Like at the end, I was just like. They could have cut that scene. Like you didn't need to like just see them the well, wood fall on him. Like we've seen him go into the wood pile, but then like the wood's just like falling on him. I'm like, God. All right. That's but I, I, I laughed, so that scene has to be my favorite because it was just it was just a funny scene to me. What about you, Viv? Yeah. I will go with the scene that I was not quite sure which direction it was going to go. So in first viewing, uh, oh, there was a plenty. I, I have to preface by saying pretty much most of the movie is uh, the viewer going, well, yeah, I don't no know shit. what direction this movie is going to go from here. But, ha- <laughs> but having said that, 
when they find the son uh, or when uh, Thomason finds uh, her younger brother at the post in the night, uh, but he's basically a, um, what is he, catatonic, I guess is the best word for it. And they take him up to the room and they're all praying over him. I kept trying to figure out, well, is is it going to be that they're going to say that she's the witch or is it the little kid suddenly or are they the witches or is the boy suddenly going to do something? I could not tell what direction that scene was going to go. I, my mind kept kept dashing back and forth trying to reconfigure right. my expectations with every line that was uttered. And it was a really effective scene for me just from a scene construction and storytelling perspective where I had no clue what was going to happen next. It was okay. for me that was yeah, like I mean, very involved. That would have been my runner up um just because of the there was a lot of there was a lot of swerves in that scene. Um especially I don't want to ruin anything for anybody, but especially the end of that scene. Um would you know what I'm talking about, Viv? So I was like I was like, was like yeah. what other fucking bag of tricks can you throw in this goddamn scene what's going on here there's just so there's so much going on in that scene like <laughs> just so much that there's every Audi, every cast member is involved <laughs> in that scene i mean because it's not a big cast but it's like everybody has their part in that scene for what's going on and the story that's being told just in that room so it's a very good scene but i i would have i mean if i was being very serious on this on this review as far as uh, liking the movie, I would I would be you know all about that scene, but that scene with Black Phillip man made me laugh so hard. Um, uh, sure. Favorite quote? <laughs> uh, I'll I'll attempt one uh, only because this. Uh, uh, I mean, there's inherently nothing wrong with the line. It's just the context of who utters it. Now, uh, just to be clear, Black is, is supposed to be the devil, right? Okay. Um, so when he makes his surprise appearance in human, well, quote-unquote human form, and what we can see see of him, well done uh, scene, by the way. It, yeah. it It could have been ruined in many ways, but the way it was done, I think, that's the best version you could have done. But when he utters the line, wouldst thou like the taste of butter? A pretty dress? Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? I was like, oh, something so... It, it It's like the... I mean, you you could really... It's it's the devil's own lines. It, it was so pregnant with just all the wrong things infused into that one sentence. And... Uh, you're like, well, is Thomason actually going to give in? And you're like, well, I mean, she's lost everything. And uh, she's like the biblical character of Job, Job, where pretty much everything goes wrong. And uh, the question is, at the end, do you, does a person still hold out or give in? And obviously, in this case, she gives in and she she becomes a witch. So that line definitely got to me. Yeah, Um I, I love. I, I, I'm with you. I love how that scene was shot. Uh, again, this movie makes you use your imagination 
So what does Black Philip look like in human form? We don't know. We see hands and chest and legs. We don't see face. So we don't know what the devil looks like. We know... Can I tell you how fucking freaked I was when she finally started to walk out of the okay. room before he started talking? I'm sorry. And then his yeah. voice comes yeah, out. No, like, no, that, that, no, that shocking like, shit. Ending, that part um, was was like, okay, this is a different. Where, where are we going with this? So all this build up to witches is now Black Philip is the devil. But I was like, okay, maybe I'll get like 15 more minutes out of this movie where she like she kills the goat or she goes and kills the witches. And I'm like, oh, no, yeah. we're just going to yeah, exactly. and walk into the woods to join the, the covenant at the fire and float. The hell? The hell? I mean, yeah. oh, I was like, some kind of comeuppance. I mean, I I'm wanted not, to, I wanted to I'm, turn. I'm I the least traditionalist as far as storytelling. She said she wouldn't sign, so I'm like, okay, yes. she's gonna Ugh. like die right in front of us, or, and then all of a sudden she's walking. I'm like, what's the right? Okay, she's going after the witches. Like she's she's it's a ruse. We're we're gonna see her like throw these witches in the fire, like one by one. We're gonna, we're gonna have a full on naked witch witch fire, and no, we just get that shitty ending. I feel like this is like. Blair Witch Project, only 1640s. Like, I get a shitty finish. Like, this really decent, good movie, and then at the end, I get shit. Like, what, what is it with witch movies? Can't you guys come <laughs> up with a good witch movie and make it make it a good finish? Anyways. Uh, let me, let clearly. Me, yeah, let me get... Um, Something is working against that. Let me get uh, my favorite quote. So, William actually says... Did ye make some yes. unholy bond with that goat? <laughs> like he's, yeah, you know, he's, did, you, did you make some unholy bond with that goat? Like, is he saying that they're worshiping the goat, or are they saying that, like, is he believing that the goat is the devil? Like, what? That whole thing was like, what's he questioning here? There's so many questions, right? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot it's of implications. A lot of implications. Like, does he believe the goat's the devil? Like or is he just laughing it off as like a joke? Like, did you make a did, did ye make a, 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 a an unholy bond with the goat? To be honest, this movie's hard to catch quotes. Like I said, I had to use the uh subtitles. Because they were using Proper English. Yeah, yeah thee and thou and... Yeah, uh, it was, yeah I mean, the whole, like you said, the whole you King James Bible was in there. Don't want to read subtitles. This isn't a movie for you because you're not going to be able to keep up with the dialogue. Trust me. And I'm like, this is like a first. Like, this is the yeah. first time I've ever not been able to keep up with dialogue in English. So, like, sometimes I just can't hear the dialogue because it's very low. But, like, not being able to keep up with it was, like, because they were talking fast, too. But I'm like, that's probably how they talked back then. So, anyways, moving on. Uh, favorite performance? Uh, I'll go on this one. Um, I really liked uh, the girl who played Thomason. I thought that she did uh, a really good job uh, in this movie. Her name is um, 
Anaya, Ania Josephine Marie Taylor, Joy. She's got a huge name. Um, but I thought she did a really good job in this movie. Um, I don't know how many acting parts that she had, but I'm sure that having to learn all those uh, proper English lines was tough. And uh, since she was the, the main character of this film, I felt like she did a really good job. I mean, you don't have very many people to choose from, so... I was going to go with Mercy and um, the other twin because I thought they were hilarious um, being little shits, but uh, I don't think they had enough lines <laughs> for me to justify them being yep. uh, uh, my favorite my favorite characters. But I thought they were really fun. to. They were like a fun anecdote to this movie because they were just being little shits uh, the whole time. But, you know, we, we know at the end that they were making a deal with Black Phillip, too. And whatever happened to those kids, I mean, we didn't even see that. That's another part of the movie. I'm, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? So, yep. Yeah, I, I thought at least the kids would be spared. Yeah, I mean, it was just fashion, like they're really in the barn or in that enclosure with the goat. And, and then it turns night. And then the witch comes in there and is drinking milk from the, the, the other goat. And she turns and then next thing you know it's morning and i'm like well where the fuck these kids go like she's just snatching kids again like we're not like to me like like i said there's no comeuppance like we don't know what really we don't know if the baby really died we don't really know if if the kids are harmed we know that her brother died we know mom died and dad died but we don't know we're left to believe other things and i get they're probably just trying to keep things off screen and not show that kind of gore um but at the same time, like we can't get a you know we can't get a flashback or an upcoming to find out exactly what happened to the kids. Maybe they're still alive and they're in the woods somewhere. Who knows? There's just parts of this movie that I'm like, Ugh. yeah, frustrating. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it is frustrating. I I, I will also go with uh, Anna Taylor Joy. I, I would want to give a big uh, her mom played by Kate. She plays Catherine. She was really good too. She she is from Game of Thrones, but I thought her role in here, like being the grieved mother and just kind of um, showing that level of just devastation and that that kind of devolving yeah. into the madness that she does throughout the film. Uh, I, she, yeah, she did a fantastic I, job from that perspective. Yeah, she, you know, she she played the the downward spiral of. Uh, a, a mother who lost a child very well um, tried to pick herself back up and then downward spiraled again. And there were twists and turns with her character because it felt like there was no diagnosis for what she had, but I think that she started to become a very schizophrenic um, mom in a sense. Cause there's flashes of it in the beginning where like she's treating Thomason like crap. And then, She's Thomason's friend and then or trying to be Thomason's mom. And then she's turning on her again. And she turns on her husband and then turns on her children. And she's just, she loses it, like completely goes off the deep end. So, yeah, I think she did a good job too. Um, she would have probably been the second runner up there. Um, but, yeah, Thomason's character is really, really good. I thought she handled herself well. So I agree with you there. Yep. All right, I think it's yeah. The, let's uh, let's do that. Shall we give um, it a rating and wrap this up? So, story was good. Uh, I get it encompassed a lot of things. Characters were were good uh, for what they were worth. 
I just have problems with it being a one-off movie and I don't get enough comments. The finish was garbage. Um, other than the re- reveal of Black Phillip being the devil, that was good. But the the, fi- the actual finish was garbage. Um, I like the sets and the lighting. I like the time period. I like I like the, the period piece. 6.5. Yeah. I, I think the movie had a lot more potential of what it could have done, but it completely succeeded in its mission of life. completely unsettling the viewer, in this case me. Almost took out a whole um, podcast. <laughs> yeah, yes. And clearly... Yeah, almost, almost single-handedly took out a whole podcast, and for that, I mean, I have to give its due. Uh, I will, I will give this movie a seven point five, just for See, the now. Very I have a big problem with and the because you gave Ghostbusters a shit rating. Like this is fucking fucked. Like you, you've <laughs> got to go back and watch Ghostbusters again and appreciate it for what it is. You just outscored Ghostbusters with this fucking shit of a movie. Are you kidding me? No, you no. Okay, stick with your fine. seven five. You what will a seven shit. satisfy? <laughs> the, look, the what the we we always I don't I don't I don't want to say preach on the podcast, but one thing that we try to do on this podcast is try to see if no what the no, intention I, of the no, filmmakers and I'm not, no, did actually I, I am come not to in the saying film. that whatsoever. I understand what the <laughs> filmmakers doing. Hence why it didn't get a 4.5. It got a 6.5. My problem, I have a big problem. Okay, okay, okay. I got I'm you. I got you. Okay, and wrestlers, we have to tell physical stories inside of a ring. We have to, t- even if two wrestlers have, do not have a storyline, the match itself has to tell a story inside the ring. Good guy versus bad guy. Whether good guy wins or bad guy wins, there has to be an upcoming somehow somehow for the good guy. So the good guy has to leave with the crowd cheering him somehow. So he has to get his upcoming somehow. And we have to right. tell that story. And the audience is basically like watching a movie. So we have to, we have to be able to illustrate that to them physically in a, in a 10 to 15 minute range. My problem is, is that when I'm having such a good story regardless of the fact that there was a, a dog killing in this movie. Um, and I didn't deduct points for that, believe it or not. Um, I have a huge problem with all of this good movie. And then the ending is what really fucking kills me and kills this movie. That's, that's a big point. It'd be like, it'd be like, okay. it would be like the dark night ending in like, just the hospital blowing up. Like we don't. Batman doesn't get his doesn't okay. get his due against the Joker. Okay. Like, oh, That's uh... Joker gets away. I, yeah, okay. I had to use a Dark Knight reference where, for you to get that shit. I, I see where you're coming from. I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, like <laughs> sometimes you got to paint my numbers to, with me, you know, buddy. We we know the Batman story was going to keep going. But we knew it was going to be it was, it was supposed to be the Joker. But we ha- we knew that's why the finish the, it was the way it was is because we were going to get another another Heath Ledger version of it. But they had to change it. But we still got Batman getting the bad guy at the end of the movie, even though we got 
Two Face right. doing it, and that's why I said when you when when we talked about Batman, and and we were talking how I was saying that I thought there was more meat on the bone with the Two Face characters. We also talked about how it was necessary for that mm. because of that of that finish with with the Joker. We needed to have that to, to continue the story with Batman where it was going. Yeah, with this movie, and there not being a sequel, or not one in the works. We're just left to be like, well, fuck. We just sat through an hour and a half of basically people getting the sh- getting their mind fucked with, and their babies stolen, and their kids possessed, and moms losing their minds, and then our heroine, quote unquote, gets joins. She'd rather join than fight. Like, yeah, right. The coven. Yeah, she 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 becomes a witch herself. It. Yeah, like I said, the uh, if there was even a a a glimmer of light at the beginning of the film, it it just only continuously makes you reminds you that there will be no hope. And if you if you're even expecting even an iota of of that, that should have been like the tagline the of the movie. movie. No, it'll, the it'll it'll take you further down. <laughs> yeah, that should have been the tagline. Yeah, no, that's like, that oh, is the, skip this movie. Yeah, but oh well. Um, but well, I mean, Viv, if you don't have anything else to say, oh. um, I would, uh, I think we can go ahead and, uh, take ourselves out to, uh, segment 1.2. Yes. Yes. We will, uh, come back for well, segment 1.2. Well, I did, I did uh, want to say, uh, thank you well, folks and, uh, for we'll... listening to yes. this, um, this section. The podcast is probably going to be a little bit longer than normal this week. Um, because me and Viv did talk at, you know, about an hour's length um, in regards to The Witch. Um, and we do apologize in, from the bottom of our hearts for, for doing this. Um, but we did give you a bonus movie review. So with it being Halloween, you're going to get, you know, five movies instead of four. Um, so please just bear with us and, and continue to listen, continue to share, continue to come on social media and give us likes and follows and and supporting the Know Your Cinema podcast because again we try to do this every week and we are not getting paid whatsoever for any of this. Um, we do this out of the love of cinema, um, but please, please hang around for segment one point two and then segment two, and for us to find out what Jason's movie for the week is. So uh, for Vivin and myself, we will see you in the next segment. Yes. Welcome back to Know Your Cinema podcast. This is season two, episode two. And this is segment 1.1, or excuse me, 1.2. In our first segment, me and the Southern Gentleman, Vivid Matthew, reviewed The Witch, um, sans Jason Quinn, um, due to circumstances beyond our control. Um, So if you've made it this far, uh, and if you paid attention to the first episode, we are giving you a bonus movie this week, and it is Donnie Darko. So we all had an opportunity to watch this movie. And without any further ado, I'd like to bring in the third member of our podcast, Jason Quinn. Jason, tell everyone hello. Gentlemen, how are we doing this Hello, week? everybody. Doing good. How are you guys? Very good. Very good. Real quick, before we dive into Donnie Darko, I want to let everybody know that we do have a multitude of back episodes 
um, from season one and our first episode of season two. Um, covering probably over 80 movies at this point. Um, if you get an opportunity, go back and listen to some of those great episodes. Um, we have a lot of fun. Um, we, we And we do a lot of different types of movies, from kids' movies to Harry Potter to Star Wars. Um, numerous amount of movies. So please go check those out. I also want to have an opportunity to uh, plug our social media presence. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Know Your Cinema Podcast, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at KYC Podcast. Gentlemen, Donnie Darko is on the docket today. Let's dive into it. Yes, sir. Who wants to take uh, the pole position on this? Well, Jason, this is your first time seeing it. Devlin. I'll leave it up to you. Do you want to go first, yeah. take your first stab at it, or do you want me to talk? I, I, I mean, I'll go first and, and get this okay. out of the way. We'll rip the band-aid off sure. this one. Um, so this is my second time watching it. Um, I watched this movie probably back 2005 or six. It's been a long time since I watched this movie. Um, nothing's really changed in my view of this movie. Uh, I know a lot of people really love this movie, and think it's really well done and and I'm going to be just very honest with my review of how everything goes with this movie. Uh to be to be completely honest, the movie 75% of this movie is great. Uh the story is intriguing, the the way it's filmed, the soundtrack um is probably the one of the best parts of this movie. Um, they did a lot of uh, 80s tracks. Huh? Ooh, that last track. That, I, last, that I, last song. I love oh, that, that song. Mad World is always that, uh, so fucking... first intro oh, that... with Tears for Fears, Head Over Heels. That's my favorite yes. Tears for Fears song. And I love how that is that solid one, one camera moving around. Yes, very piece of photography there. And kind of almost foreshadowing a lot of things going on. Um, but yeah, the soundtrack's really good in this movie. Um, the acting's really great in this movie. They, they went out and got a lot of... Uh, you know, top-notch Hollywood uh, actors in this movie. You know, we had the late Patrick Swayze. We had, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, who would, you know, later, you know, get his niche in Hollywood. But this is the movie that really, you know, shot him to stardom in a lead role. Um, Aggie Gyllenhaal, and I know we've talked about her in the past with uh, The Dark Knight. Uh, we also had... Uh, Drew Barrymore and uh, Noah uh, Noah Wild is that his name? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, Noah Wiley, Wiley, right, Wiley yeah. from uh, ER. He was a, a hot commodity at that time, as far as actors go. So, yep. um, I, I always try to put myself in the the time frame of when this movie was made. So, uh, looking at you know the people that are in it to to, to say that you know at the time those were some 
some big players in Hollywood. Swayze had kind of fallen off the map a little bit, but you know, this, I don't want to say this revitalized his career, but uh, it, it was a, it was a interesting choice to kind of put him in, in there, in that, in this movie. Um, but going forward, this thing shot well. It it seems like it's a very uh, high budget film, but it's probably a very a medium budget film. Uh, just how it's shot and a lot of CGI and uh, different things like that. The, the cinematography is really good in how it's filmed. The pace of everything is good on it. Acting again is superb. Um, I, I just, I've really always had a problem. The two viewings is with the finish of this movie. And I don't, I, you know, we talked about it in reviewing the witch is that, you know, a good movie can be ruined by a finish. And I think that this, it, 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 it goes in a certain way for certain people. But for, for me, it, it was, I feel like it was if this was going to be a one-off, which it's not now. There is a sequel to this movie, or a pseudo sequel to this movie. And I thought, well, if it's going to be a one-off, which it probably was intended to be at one point in time, that there should have been a more conclusive finish than what we got to this movie. Um, but it, it it's got so many layers to it. It, it it's really hard to, you know, break down exactly what you're looking at at times too um are we watching the basically the diary of a madman or someone slipping into you know madness uh at the same time or is it reality what we're looking at because in in what was portrayed to us it was all a dream or is it it, it kind of leaves you thinking about what what is this ending to this movie is it did he travel back in time is it a dream what what is it what's going on so it's a very confusing ending for me and i just i don't feel satisfied at the end of this movie i don't feel like i'm 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 okay with it like i i wanted a more definitive conclusion to what was going on but i mean every, it's an, it's up to interpretation which most movies are um, especially these these movies that make you think a lot and and wonder what's going on. There is just there's so many layers to this movie. It's hard to just break down one of them. Um, as you guys pointed out, you know, Jalen Hall. As much as I give him crap, he he does a really good job in this movie portraying the character. I still don't think it's his best role that I've seen. Um, I really appreciated him in Zodiac. I thought that he did a really good job in that movie. Oh, he's yeah. so good. I, I thought he did a really good job in Zodiac. I wouldn't say that's oh. his top performance because I don't. I have not seen all his work, so I can't really give top performance. But for me, that's that's part. Yeah, Quick question: Have you seen a movie called Nightcrawler with him? Uh, Jason, Jason seen it. Jason recommended that I watch it, and yeah, I think he said something to the fact of it will change <clears throat> your opinion on Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, just that sure. performance is an in, insane sure. performance. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's been, a, but, you know, having this podcast, I try, and I was having this discussion with someone the other day, I try not to watch yeah. anything that's new and that I've known that you two have watched because I don't right. want to limit ourselves to movies. Um, because, you know, eventually they're going to, yes, Hollywood's going to keep making movies, but eventually we're going to start running thin on things that, all of us haven't seen, or all of us have seen together, or all of us have seen. You know what I mean? Um, right. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I you know, like I said, the story is really good, and and I appreciate that. It's just, I, I, and we talked about this in the first segment that as a wrestler, I have a small amount of time to tell a story, um, to a live audience and to explain what's going on, and in this one, in this movie, I just I feel like that we had such a great story to be ended the way it was, uh, just left me, like I said, confused or not really satisfied at the ending. I, I, I left. Go ahead. Can I, can I ask you, what do you think happens at the ending of the movie? Because I, I, I want to know what do you think uh, happens at the end of this movie? Because that might kind of, I just think that very... he, when his mom came in that per, when he was reading that book and he called her a bitch, he was dreaming mm-hmm. and he went to sleep and he he was dreaming and he, because he was so uh, fearful of death, he became okay with it. After seeing that dream and maybe a little deja vu, a, predict, a prediction in the future, he felt like it was okay, and he went to sleep. And that's when the you know the the in, the jet engine came through his house. Uh, but other people could take it as that he somehow. I see why you would hate that. That that's not the. Well, well, that's not no, what they I were mean, going you, for, but I can see why if that was what you thought the ending was and why you would hate it. The ending and actually <clears> look <throat> it up and, and type it on Google. What is the meaning of the ending to Donnie Darko? It literally says that he was dream- he wakes up from his dream and is okay with dying. Okay, uh, okay. I um that so, gives me a basis of at least knowing where where, where you're coming from. Okay, that's 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 good yeah. to know. That's not the no, no, what he's saying actually is true, except that's the tail end of the explanation. So there's a few things that happens right before that. Uh, so I, I, I'll, I'll cover some of that. Uh, Devlin, was there anything else that you wanted to add about? Yeah, that? I, so mean, all like, of the... like I said, I, I think it, it's it's just such a mishmash right. it's, it's of the... confusion as to what <clears throat> is really going on. So the the literal okay. interpretation that I've always gotten from it is that it was a dream, and he he's he's so not heavily medicated, but so having problems with his own emotional state of mind that he he fantasizes in his dream about these things and that's and that's what happens in his dream but is it a re, is it a reality because now everybody that he interacted with in the dream uh is now still alive and still going to continue its course of of what they what they were doing like the, the girl that he met, the new girl, and she doesn't even know, like, it's almost like a deja vu stance Correct. for her, like, she thinks that she knows him, like, she feels like she knows him, but she doesn't know him. So, I mean, it, okay. it can be interpreted so, in many different ways, it, it's all up to the perspective of the person, but I didn't think there was enough reasonable explanation to say that he actually got into the time portal and went back in time. Okay. Uh, and uh, that would be a valid interpretation, especially the the original theatrical cut of the film uh, leaves that possibility widely open. Uh, clearly, 
it is alluded that he has schizophrenia. So, you know, that interpretation of him just being sick and this all being a form of just a delusion and a construction of his own mind. And uh, clearly he's just creating himself to be a superhero and his death, he's making it out to be uh, him trying to save the universe by dying, right? So that's one way to read the film. So, I mean, that that is... Uh, that is a, a completely valid interpretation. I think I come at it differently only because having seen uh, the director's cut. But see, let's see, that hold on, wait, wait. That's the problem with the director's cut is that we're, we're, when people go to watch this movie, if they're watching the original version in theaters, this is what is interpreted. Mm-hmm. So that's why. I'm not a fan of watching director's cuts in, until we've watched the first movie. So you have to your basis of everything has to go off of the movie that we watched. You can't go off the director's cut because if it's interpreted different than the director's cut, which I haven't seen, then our philosophies on this movie are going to vary. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and and that's and and uh, I would I would completely I I I don't want to. I, I hope everything that I'm going to say now, uh, and uh, obviously whatever Jason says also, uh, hopefully it's the same. Uh, it uh, it has the same validity in the sense that we, I am not trying to dissuade you from your interpretation. I, I think it's clearly a interpretation that is in that text. That movie clearly has that. Um, it just I'm infected by the fact that I saw the director's cut first, and I've seen it many, many, many times. So even though I saw the original cut for this, uh, for for our uh, review, I was still influenced by knowing the knowledge that I have, and any research that you do on the movie kind of spells out a lot of the things. So the director's cut uh, focuses very much on the time travel aspect of this movie and really lays out the foundation of how the world is set up. Uh, and it, in so the story that we are witnessing, everything from the, when the, um, the, the part of the plane falls on the house, the turbine, it's, it's all part of what's called a tangent universe. Right. And that tangent universe is essentially an unstable universe because it is a, uh, at some point, and this has nothing to do with the story itself. At some point, there is a universe that broke off from the primary universe. And this tangent universe is an unstable universe. And, and the, the turbine from the airplane comes from the primary universe, comes into the tangent universe. And because of that, breaking of the turbine from the primary universe into the tangent universe that creates a a a a further destabilization thereby aka as frank the rabbit says you are good the whole universe can die it it will will basically destroy itself in 28 days (laughs) because the tangent universe will implode which will create a black hole which could also possibly destroy the primary universe aka destroy the every living thing or everything within the universe so darko um <laughs> this gets into like super lore because uh in that the the director's cut literally has text on it where it has uh chapters <laughs> from uh chapters from the philosophy of time 
the uh, Grammar Death's book is actually on screen that you can read as title cards. And it basically says uh, Donnie Darko is what is called a living receiver. So he becomes chosen as the one who has to fix the uh, the timeline. And Frank is basically... So everything in his path is basically te- is pushing him forward to become this uh, this person who has to fix everything, and and the choice that he makes at the end to die is basically then saves it 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 kills the tangent universe, and, but saves everybody in the primary universe, and then saves obviously his girlfriend and saves uh, uh, who else did it save? It also saves Frank. Yeah. So Right and his and his mom. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. no, I, I, I get what you're saying. I say with all that tangent, to say. Yeah. I say all that to say that there is no way in hell that any sane human should have to do any amount of research right. to get to Thank that. You. So the I don't think the movie does any uh, a great job on illustrating any of that. But because I saw this movie when I was a teenager. It is one of those films that clearly has the right elements to the right l- amount of mystery, the right amount of music, the kind of music that I would be, uh, uh, that, that would clearly grab me. A central protagonist whose demeanor and how his affectation towards the world and society clearly mirrored how I felt. And all of those things, I think, really, pro- and I, I think that's why it has such a uh, such a grasp on, especially young people. If you see it at a certain age, it really will get to you. And I remember after watching the movie the first time when I was a teenager, me and my friend, we would sat for hours trying to figure out, well, w- what is the fourth dimension, right? Uh, how does the time travel paradox work in this? You know, uh, you, you're, you're just, you, you want to go down the rabbit hole you, because you feel like you have uncovered this great mystery puzzle box story and you can if you look hard enough you suddenly you know resolve all the mysteries of the universe but clearly as an adult you can see that well you know the movie has shortcomings the movie has all of its problems but i still i still you know i still feel like it's a very unique experience this movie even with even with its flaws Jason, why don't you, this is your first experience, so why don't you kind of, I'm really excited to see what your interpretation is. Yeah. Uh, you saw that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was just letting him finish his nerd song. Um Viv, I fucking went all in down the rabbit hole on this one, buddy. Oh shit! I spent <clears throat> I spent probably two hours after watching the film online researching and watching YouTube videos, and I <clears throat> it it hit this this special nerd sweet spot for me. It was I. It was like a kid in a candy store. I was. I was all in, and it was. It was one of the most beautiful things, and I haven't felt that way in such a long time. And <clears throat> it was. I. I 
so when I started watching it and I the performance said were fantastic. The concepts that it plays with, with time travel and um, this uh, force, this invisible force that pulls us to where we're going. Uh, every little, just little detail of, of those kinds of things just hit me. And then, like, <clears throat> is, like, not far off from, like, he be at the world. Like so, it perfectly every fucking step of the way out of all movies that I've ever <laughs> ever been told to watch. This one I get told to watch the most, and so it's always been kind of on the the forefront of the mind that like I really do need to watch this. And finally getting around to it was just so fucking sweet, and I'm glad I bought it. Um, because I'm definitely going to watch this shit again. <laughs> but it just, it was, it was everything, man. Like I was just like, I can see why it's a cult classic so much because I love a movie that create, that has world building that is so fucking phenomenal. And even though it did have, a conclusion that made me feel like I needed to research it to understand what the fuck it was doing. I, I enjoy doing that kind of stuff. And I know a lot of people don't, but I really love endings like that where I can get into the community of people who also are fascinated by this film and like talk it out or read theories and stuff like that. That <clears throat> is like, Oh, it's just, it's something so fucking sweet for me. Like I just, Oh, I love that shit. So like movies like this and like Cloverfield and Inception and stuff like that, where I have to like think more and do research and talk to other people about what's going on to get the full in story in my head is just, Oh, I, I fucking live for this shit. Well, in that case you walked into <laughs> so, the perfect film because this, <laughs> this movie is <laughs> tailor-made i mean it's surprising that this movie came out in 2001 this was before you know things like lost or things like any of the movies that that were created in the internet age where the creators knew that there's going to be a community kind of unpacking everything this was way before all of that so donnie darko really set some you know it's it's landmark in that way and i can understand for a, a viewer who does not want to invest that kind of time, how it can be a frustrating experience because it, it clearly does not give you all the answers. And sometimes that can be to a fault because I, I, I'm trying to imagine if I saw this movie at a different age, um, the, uh, discounting your experience, Jason, uh, just me, you know, if I am um, just being in a different mental state, if I had watched that movie, if I have, would have responded the same way if, or if I would have just, you know, set it aside. I was like, well, that was interesting and I would have just kept it aside. I'm not sure. But this just happened to hit just in the right spot in my time frame where I was like, oh, yeah, I was feeling exactly those same feelings. I had that 
and Devlin talking about the different layers, I really do feel like you can take this movie as just a straight uh, story about a schizophrenic. Or you can, ta- you can also take the story as mm-hmm. a story about, it really is a story about a late 80s post-Reagan you know, society where <clears throat> you have um, all these, um, the principal, the teachers, the parents, everybody's trying to kind of play their roles in society. And you have this central character who does not, he's not normal like the rest of them, you know? And there's that whole theme running through the movie where the outsiders can't really fit in with how the society wants you to be, you know? They have this cookie-cutter way you, they want you to perform, and Donnie Darko just doesn't fit into that mold. And I think that's why it resonates so much with teenagers, um, especially. Uh, so you can also look at it from that level, just as a a teen angst kind of film, which is perfect in an 80s setting. So again, that, that kind of knocks it out of the park in that way. But you can also go the complete hardcore sci-fi route uh, and just nerd out on all the little details and try to put all the pieces together. So you, you can take this on many levels. <clears throat> oh, I definitely had a nerd <laughs> hate with this one. <laughs> and it, <laughs> It also gave me an opportunity to go uh, to one of my favorite YouTube sites um, and watch their interpretations of it. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. They they know those those guys. They do their they do their work. Yeah. It's it's a. it's yeah. a beautiful it's, thing. It's almost that they surprising do that this movie even really got made because I, I honestly the the kudos should be given to Drew Barrymore. She was the one who made sure that this movie happened. Uh, the uh, the writer director Richard Kelly he was just a twenty four year old guy with this crazy screenplay, but uh, Drew Barrymore she started her own company and she this was one of the first three movies that she find uh, you know basically produced and it sure got made. Strange film. Nobody really saw it when it came out. And then it just really picked up momentum when the DVDs came out. And then they did a re-release a couple of years later. It, uh, yeah, definitely props to Drew Barrymore on that then because I'm, I'm super pumped about this movie. It's so bizarre and it's... I love the weird little chest wormy things that <laughs> yeah. they got going on. Yeah, the, the time like spheres that. or something. Yeah, the water spheres. The little... It's from like Wisecrack said that it is a a a interpretation of of, yeah. of God, and that is what it looks like. And I was like, all right, like that's the weirdest version yeah. of God that anybody's ever done. You know what I mean? But like, I get what they're like. I make sense. Like, well, I understand I what the that's fuck like they're a talking about. Of your timeline, right? He's and... like seeing what direction you're going to go, right? Or he can see everybody where they're going to go and where they're going to be, right? In a sense, he's in he's in God's channel, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. The movie is yeah, weird. yeah, but it's. It's so it's so weird and 
Uh, Drew Barrymore's character is fantastic in this movie, and that's probably like she probably that was probably one of the stipulations. That's She's right. probably like, I want to play the cool teacher. Um, <clears throat> and she like she even catches you off guard right off the bat when like the girl comes in. And she registers and she's like, you know, sit next to the boy you find the cutest. And you're like, whoa, yeah. what? Like, what? It gets me every time. It's... <laughs> but it's like, it's stuff like that, that uh, it, it, when you think back on it and you think about how the, because like, obviously I did the research and looked into the, the director's cut bonus op, you know, stuff that we get to find out there. And um I wish that we would have been able to watch the director's cut. I just couldn't find that shit. I'm I'm kind of anyway. torn uh, if you should have seen that or not. Because I, since that is my first introduction to the universe, I, I was like, oh, that's normal that it is so overloaded with the text and all these bizarre things that you would not see in a movie. It's even more bizarre than the theatrical cut. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it is good that you saw the theatrical cut first. I, 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 I'm a little worried you going into the director's cut if, you, if that'll make it better or if that'll make it... Some people hate it, but some people say, no, 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 the director's cut is the, is the cut. I mean, see, I always... I'm, I, I used to not give two shits about a director's cut, but now that we've done this podcast, the director's cut means so much to me because I realized that that's the vision, right? Like, ultimately, the person who was in charge of this film wanted it to be this, so maybe that's what we should interpret it as. You know what I mean? So, I'm... Yeah, I'm all for it, you know? And I hope to... to have an opportunity to watch the director's cut too. But I, at the very least, I found the information that you get in the director's cut to be interesting. Um, One thing that I feel like is important and it kind of counteracts the thing that Devlin said most um, is the fact that he's, that they don't put it in the movie, which they easily could have because it's such a small little tidbit of a scene, but they could have put it in there. That his psychiatrist says that the pills that he takes are water in the director's pills. car. That completely changes everything um, because it, then it's no longer it's, it's no longer yeah. you know oh it could be this or that. It kind of makes it oh no it is this. <laughs> this clearly is a time travel story. Right? Yeah. It's it's the yeah. It definitely it takes away the the, the ambiguity. like some aspects of the ability yeah. to interpret it as yeah something different, which is you know. I I think that it, the film benefits in both ways. Like, it can benefit from not having that there because it gives us something else to um, to kind of think think on and and, and fuck around with, you know. <clears throat> but you know, having it in there, it makes the film more definitive. But I I, I loved the. I'm I'm one of those people that believes that always any everything happens for a reason, and I feel like this movie is the embodiment of that. Like, it is the the dark version embodiment of everything happens for a reason because when you think back on <clears throat> all of the events that happen in this movie, and think about that one pivotal moment that basically is the reason why 
everything else happens in the very end where his girlfriend gets ran over and then she yeah. could do like Frank gets shot. Though that's like the climax part of this movie, right? So if you think about all of the little details of everything that happens that leads you to that point, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Like I know every movie kind of gets to that that thing, but like because this is a universe that's trying to correct itself. Those yeah. details mean more because this is something that is, this is an entire dimension that is trying to fix itself by way of making this one catalytic right. yeah. event. So like, for example, when they get to the cell door where, and uh, obviously the girlfriend dies there, Gretchen, but to get there, you have to have Drew Barrymore mentioned that at some point earlier, which then, but for Donnie mm-hmm. to have met Gretchen, he needed to actually be persuaded by Frank to flood the school. So you, you, each thing basically has a cause and effect. Uh, that well, matter, well, first he she finds that attraction um, to him when the teacher uh, Drew Barrymore's character says, "Sit next to the boy you think is the cutest." Mm, okay, so. That is a really weird thing that happens in the movie. I, I feel like anytime you watch, anybody that watches the movie for the first time should interpret that as a really fucking weird thing for a teacher yes. to say. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like that is, there's never going to be a situation where in a normal society that gets played out and somebody's not for some reason drew that. barrymore sells it you know what i mean like i believe if drew barrymore was a teacher yeah, but, she would say that yeah and 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 she plays like she plays like a really attractive teacher too and i don't always find drew barrymore attractive but like the teacher vibes that she was given off in this movie i'm like okay like me as a teenager i'd have been about that life um and then, like, the way she's she talks and shit, like, she does. She sells that, like, that she would just be able to be, like, whatever boy you think is the cutest is who you should sit next to. And that nobody else should would ever question that. You know what, what I mean? What a pressure for all the boys. But it's... Right. And, you like, you see all of them, like, kind of look up and shit. And they're like, well, what if it's fucking me? Like, it could be... Me. Well, we know that Seth Rogen is um, the cutest. Seth, it's interesting to see Seth Rogen in this movie because he plays such a douchebag. Um, I did laugh really fucking hard when he said, I like your boobs um, to her at the fucking bus stop um, after oh, yeah. the school was flooded. I, it's just like, it was like the, it's like probably the worst. Like, it felt accurate to how a teenage boy who would behave in that situation. Like, it's just the worst yeah. kind of behavior. So it's like, I it, it doesn't feel inaccurate, but at the same time, it's like, it's the best worst acting I've ever seen out of Seth Rogen. Because it's so bad, but at the same time, it's like, well, that's probably how right. it would go down. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's the most unrecognizable version of Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen has a specific persona, and that is clearly not here. Oh yeah, no, it's it's definitely it is uh, far away from this film, and so is Patrick Swayze's persona yeah. in this film. Um, I mean, 
did I like? There's no fucking way in hell that I would have seen him as a, a child molester. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm. I'm like that's. I'm surprised that he even took on. There's a, it's, it's a pretty in the, uh, the, the film that the teacher on. was showing. There's a slight indication of it when at the uh-huh. end he's hugging the boy, and he gropes his butt. Wait, what? I've, I did I've not seen catch this it. movie like yeah. so many times. I've never seen that. Are you serious? Yeah, I I caught it. I was like. Because I, I, this movie just never movie, stops. I, like, I don't remember. I don't remember that part of Patrick Swayze's character in the movie, and so when I was watching that film, I was like, "Oh, this is really kind of over the top and 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 hokey, like a motivational speaker film would yeah. be." But then I was like, I was kind of so I was paying attention to it. I was like, "Oh, he just slapped that boy on the butt and kind of kept his hand there." Okay, that's weird. And then, then it came into play, and later in the film, and I was like, "Oh, that—that's <laughs> foreshadowing." Okay, I got you. Holy smokes! Huh? That is nuts. I, th- it, that's the crazy part about this movie. I mean, whether you love it or hate it, <coughs> the 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 writer and director has jammed uh... stuff into this movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's so, it's so good. I, I really do love all of the like random little shit. Like I hate, I hate Swayze's character, and I, it's weird because like the way he comes off, and like the way like Donnie Darko calls him the Antichrist and shit like that, and you're like, well, like. He's kind of like like he's trying, you know what I mean. He just comes off as like a normal motivational speaker, and then you find out that shit after he burns the house down. And you're like, okay, well that checks out. Like he, you know, he's the antichrist. Yeah. That's very antichrist behavior. Um, but it's just like eh, there's so much little shit, like, and all of the evil things that, like, the things that are interpreted as evil things that uh, that he would he does are like not evil and because like fuck yeah burn down a child molester's house like i'm sorry like that's me say what you want but that's how i feel like fuck them (laughs) like i'm i'm sorry but that's not an okay situation so um so i i see like all and then like i love the i love the text uh they made me do it because and you see they made me do it at first you're like who's they you know what i mean like who's the fucking yeah. they like you because it's really just frank that tells him to do it <clears throat> but then when you think about all of the players that are in this film that lead him to this point subconsciously there's a lot of people that push him in that direction uh, I also the gym teacher or health teacher, whatever her oh, crazy name, yes. or whatever. So good. So she's she's like the actress that plays her. So good. So good. Like so Spot good on. because she's just so like 
I like you. I know a person that's that. You know what I mean? Like she's so like she's is she is her name Karen because uh, unfortunately she's it's Donnie uh, uh, Drew Barrymore's character whose name is Karen. I, I'm trying to remember what her name is. Okay. Hold on. She. It should be. <laughs> yeah, her name should be Karen. <laughs> it just really should because it makes the most sense. And I, I can't uh, figure out what her name is. Uh, what the hell's the Kitty Farmer? I'm, what'd she say? I'm really doubting your commitment to Sparkle. Kitty what? Kitty. Kitty Farmer. The, wait, that's the. Character. I love the dad's. Yeah, that's the that's the dad's or the character's name. I remember it now that he said it. Her name is definitely Kitty something. Um. I love the fact that when he's talking, they're talking to the psychiatrist, the dad goes, he says like, yeah, he sent some shit to the, his health teacher. And the dad's like, well, it's not fucking unrealistic that he like, he starts defending all of the actions. Like it makes sense. He's like, I'm not saying that he should have said it, but I'd have said it. Yes. I do love the parents. They are not, you know, they, they definitely do try. They, it's not like uh, they don't understand Donnie. They do see some of the hypocrisy of the people around them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it definitely checks out, man. There's a lot of little. I the, it's a movie that I, I I feel like I have to go back and watch to just see the little details that I missed out on, not knowing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's chock full of them. Super pumped. Them. I, I, I so pumped. Dialogue this time around. I love the dialogue in this film. Like some really dark, funny lines that still hold up. Like uh, I was thinking about the one where Kitty uh, at the parent-teacher conference. She, she's just obviously losing her shit, and she's like, "Not only am I a teacher, but I'm a mother of a middle-sex child. So I'm going to transcend the parent-teacher bridge." I'm like, "What the." Fuck? I'm going to transcend the parent-teacher bridge. Who talks like that? Yeah, I was like, ooh. Well, and it's what's beautiful about it is it's such awful dialogue that it is exactly the type of shit that a person would say in her situation. Like her, like it feels so accurate, but it's terrible dialogue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a, <laughs> it's a shitty thing that a hum- like that you would write, but at the same time it's like, all right, that makes sense that that shitty character says that. Yep, exactly. Uh, it's so good. I'm super pumped that you picked this movie as our secondary option after I decided not to watch The Witch. <laughs> uh, it, it was an interesting week, uh, I'll tell you that. This past week has been super interesting. So We've had quite a few fuss this past week for our podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I never expected to bail on a movie i yeah I, 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 yeah let, let's leave that movie behind <laughs> the less we think about that movie the better just uh, curious because i haven't I, I never i haven't got to listen to uh, it 6.5 so, uh, what were the ratings of that 6.5 for me 7.5 from viv Interesting. Okay. Yeah. 
it uh, I- I'll say this. It did its job. It uh, completely unsettled me. And, and uh, yeah, and, uh, and much like Dark, you, you will the, you will hear it. Was, you will you will. It was it was good for part, and then it was shit. <laughs> like it was I'm not saying Darko was complete shit, but tr- Darko's finish was a lot better than than the witch's finish. Trust me. Interesting. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, 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 I'll agree with that. It's, uh, well, you, I mean, you stopped at the first few minutes and, uh, if you think that there was going to be some kind of, uh, light at the end of the tunnel, uh, no, there's yeah. like, well, there's literally hell at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, I think it, that's the best way it, to put it. Literally hell at the end of the tunnel. Um, yeah, you you didn't miss much, but yeah, I, yeah, go listen to it, Jason, and and you'll hear everything that we had to say about it. We didn't go into graphic details, kind of. Uh, well, uh, yeah, we had to give the, the disclaimer. The yeah, you don't want to. <clears throat> we told people to fast forward through it because we did, we did get the disclaimer of the of the scene that made everybody very unsettled. So. Yeah, I forgot to call him. I forgot to get my money back about that movie because I don't even yeah. think I watched five minutes of it. <laughs> but, uh, gentlemen, moving forward, uh, <laughs> let's talk about our favorite scenes in this movie. And I will go ahead and kick that off, too. Uh, it's the uh, it's the scene with uh, the Tears for Fear song. Okay. Uh, Head over heels. I like the, the shot. I know there's no dialogue in there. I love the shot. I love how it's fast forward and slowed down and fast forward and slow down. And it's one steady shot going around and around. And I always, I always appreciate that, but I appreciated more of how that song was just, they still kept playing that song and it felt like it was going on and on and on. And they got through the, the first few minutes of that song, which is a great song. So it, it all encompassed things that I really loved uh sometimes about cinema a good song to illustrate a scene along with some good camera work there and how it's building without saying anything building Mm -hmm. your players in this movie like here's your players here 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 and here and so i really enjoyed that scene for what it was that's a good way of putting it setting up the players for the yeah for the story that's cool what about you, Jason? Um, I think I think my favorite scene is the scene where they're watching the football game, and then the the god worms come out of their chest. I I've never seen a visual representation of someone like being pulled by their destiny before. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that I can think of in a movie. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. And so it was kind of a neat thing to see. And what I found interesting about it was that I didn't need an explanation for what it was. They just did a really good job of like showing a really weird thing. And then without, saying anything about what it was, I, I knew what was happening. 
Like it, it was like first level of Mario, kind of good. Like the the it, it is a very good introduction on on the mechanics of what they were doing in in that uh, with those little weird worm things. So I super super amazing for me. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Whenever you can explain like a a complex concept, but just do it without any exposition. You know you've you've hit the, you've hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Since I've watched this movie endlessly, it's one of my favorite films. Obviously, every scene has some level of resonance with me. But the Mad World soundtrack paired at the end of the movie with uh, a, the montage of all the characters that now remain in the real world, um, or sorry, the primary universe, you get to see them. And it's the, and this time I was particularly paying attention to what they were doing in each of those montage clips. For example, Frank is touching his eye. So it's almost like there's this, even though that world, that universe is erased, it's, it's like you, when you wake up from a dream or you have this deja vu, you have this echo of something that you, like half remember and mm-hmm. that it, it, that 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 kind of uh imagery mixed with that song that song just perfectly fits not only that scene but also encompassing the overall uh mood and feel and the themes of the story uh, it it's just it's such a perfect mix and then all of that kind of concluding with the uh, you essentially have the next morning they're taking Donnie Darko's body away and you see like a brief shot of just everybody just standing in the uh, in the front yard and you have uh, Gretchen come up on her bike and you realize that she at this point has never met Darko and you have that weird moment a strange and beautiful moment again without any dialogue uh, where uh, Darko's mom is standing by the tree smoking a cigarette and her expression is just perfect. It's not just she's grief stricken. Like she's just, I kind of kind of quite put into words what her expression is, but it's like that, that kind of when she's like gone beyond loss and she's just given up and then she sees Gretchen on the other side and they, the camera holds on both, both of them for a little bit and they wave at each other. And it's again that, that that weird feeling like we've never met each other, but somehow it feels like we are connected. Yeah. Um, again, something that movies can do really well is do those things where you don't have to use words, but you like when characters connect. And it's I don't know you. I've had one of those two moments in life where you like you have those weird moments like wow, maybe there's a whole history there where I don't you know. It's maybe it happened in a whole different universe. Maybe it's just you know it's 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 that kind of feeling that 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 whole scene brings up. Yeah, I, My uh, scene. <clears throat> I Mad World. That's that particular acoustic, like slowed down, just daunting version of that song. Yeah. Is uh, I've seen it used two times in storytelling to a perfect degree. Um, in this movie and in Gears of War 3, 
which is a video game that I named my kid after. Uh, oh, okay. <clears throat> so in the, they use it in the trailer, and it does a really good job. So if you watch the Gears of War 3 trailer, you can see the mad world there. But they also use it in-game. And damn, does it, it fits so beautifully in both ways. Uh, and I absolutely fucking love that. <laughs> That that song, like when I when it first started, when I'm watching the movie and it started playing, I was like, oh man, like it just. That was another thing that kind of hit really hard because like. This movie just hit on so many levels, and that that song. Means a lot to me because of how much the experience around that game means to me. Yeah. Um, and the 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 people that i played that game with and stuff so like that means so much and then like to hear it used here and then it fits so well and be so perfect for the scene it was just like ah it was like it was like cinnamon butter on a texas roadhouse roll it was just fucking mm. oh yeah okay man i love that you love this movie that's so awesome Oh, I did. I fucking, I full on. It's, it's like if I got a fucking nerd hard on for this movie, and it is, it's raging, my friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, again, uh, I was not expecting you to go that direction, but that's what you're here for. You're always surprising. All right. Yes. Uh, Devlin, so I, again, do we want to do favorite quotes? Uh, favorite quotes. Um, so my favorite quote is from Kitty Farmer. Okay. I'll tell you what he said to me. He asked me to forcibly insert the lifeline exercise card into my anus. <laughs> I love that the dad laughs at that shit. He's like it, it's more the reaction of the fact is priceless from the dad. She totally oh, teetered up so that, good. that line instead of just saying what he said. She kept it super PC and was like very articulate about how oh, she yeah. said it. <laughs> the, yeah, the most professional, most professional right. version of most that professional. your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that the I don't think the dad was laughing at what was Such said, an amazing of, performance. other than the fact of how she said it. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's good. So, it's so good. Yeah, that, that that's that's the line. I really love her performance. She's. What is the line that she says later on? Um, where she's asking uh, Darko's mom to substitute the girls, but then she goes, I don't think you really, uh, yes. what is it? You don't have the right commitment for Sparkle Nation or Sparkle Motion? I'm really starting oh. to doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion. Yes. <laughs> oh, she says that with 100% belief. Oh, it's so, so it, like she's all in. It's like, it's beautiful, like the, the delivery she, she gives there is it's like it's so perfect for a mother who's living vicariously through her daughter yep exactly that's exactly it you got <clears throat> spot on it's so amazing oh it's so good 
I love it. Jason, do you have a, uh, a favorite it's, line? or is It's that... That, that line in particular that I'm really reading okay. about your commitment to sparkle motion. I love that fucking line because <laughs> it's like, well, that whole little conversation where she's like, she says, you know, I was going to ask all the other mothers, but then they turned me down. So you're my last hope. And like the way she says it and like the look that the mom has on her face where she's like, well, fuck you too. You know what I mean? Like just like all of this, all of it is so fantastic. It's, it's yeah. Ma- Ma- Mary McDowell. Uh, that's the uh, actress who, uh, who plays Rose. Oh, uh, a, a fun little anecdote. She, uh, that actress she um, she had a uh, Jason. I think I've told you the story uh, at some point. Do you remember the story that I told you about Mary McDowell? Mm, not off the top of my head. Okay, so she did a show on TNT. It's like a police procedurals show. It was a like a spin-off TV show for the Closer. With, uh, I think here. Uh, no, there's like a ton of them on TNT. I don't know. The, the, so the, where I'm getting to this is that uh, Alex was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Her uh, girlfriend, my cousin, she, she was on, uh, she's, she's an actress and she was on one of the episodes. So she had like a guest appearance on there. And when I found out that she was going to be uh, actually having a scene with Mary McDowell because she's the lead actress in that TNT show. I was like, oh my gosh, uh, uh, she's an amazing actress because she was in Battlestar Galactica. She has a huge role in that, and I'm a big fan of that show. I love Donnie Darko. She has a uh, pretty crucial part in uh, one of my favorite 90s movies, Independence Day. She is the president's wife in that. So she's in like some of my big, you know, favorite shows and movies. I was like, well, tell her I say hi. You know, I'm a big fan of her work. And, and then uh, uh, she, uh, apparently Mary McDowell said, well, tell Vivian I said hi. So I was like, all right. Your life is like complete now. I'm like, I've met a couple of famous people, but that was like, that was the highlight for me. Uh, Kevin Smith retweeted me once and that was my highlight in my life. <laughs> Oh, I, I would, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if Kevin Smith would have the same effect on me, but I, I, if somebody, if a famous person like that retweeted me, I would, uh, I would definitely, that would go in. I wrote a, a article. I used to write movie reviews for this website, and uh, <laughs> I wrote an article about Tusk, and he retweeted my article link and my tweet review of the movie. Huh. Wow. <sighs> it was amazing. I hope you have that screenshotted. You have it saved, uh, right? It might be somewhere. I I know that I, I know I took a screenshot of it because I was fucking geeked. And I think that I made a Facebook mm-hmm. post about it, so it might be on there. Oh perfect. Yeah, no, I'd I i would yeah, I'd keep that forever. Yeah, I'd probably pin that up too. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> as you should be. So, favorite line for me, is, you know what? I'll go with the with an easy one here because there are just chock full of them. 
It's the one where Donnie's again sleepwalking and he uh, meets Frank and he goes, why do you wear that stupid bunny suit? And Frank responds, why are you wearing that stupid man suit? Uh, it's, it's just good. Especially as a, uh, as a young person, you're like, oh yeah, that's such a profound line. I'm not quite sure what's profound about it, but <laughs> it, it works. Because he's speaking to him because they're on a soul plane at the time. And not like the movie with Snoop Dogg uh, and Kevin Moore. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, nice crossover. It's what this episode needed, you know? <laughs> um, there wasn't enough... Uh... Oh, God damn, now I can't... I was about to say his name, but I can't think of what his damn name is now. Who's the dude that was married to Roseanne? Uh, be... Tom Arnold? Arnold something, right? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold? Yeah, Tom Arnold. It was in Soul Plane. Also. Yes. There was in... Tom Arnold was in Soul Plane? Mm-hmm. Wow. Huh. Interesting. That's what I was ultimately getting after was Tom Arnold. It was a Tom Arnold reference. Huh. <sighs> well, those were our favorite quotes. <laughs> I, 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 there was no way to transition from soul playing to our next section. I, here's the weird part. I was going to go nine eleven, and then I decided that was not the route to go. I mean, it's never the route to go. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. The only reason. The only reason that was going to be the transition because I was like, oh, are you referencing Soul Plane? Because essentially there's a, uh, the turbine engine of a plane falls under Donnie Darko. So obviously plane, that's a connection there. Then uh, I found out that Donnie Darko came out a week or two after 9-11. So I was like, oh, that was a super strange time to release this movie. Even though there's no direct, you know, but still the fact that the whole thing revolves around a engine of a plane falling on your house. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. uh, favorite anyway, performance, let's, let's leave that. Gentlemen. 2001, was a, 2001 <laughs> was an interesting year for movies, if we're being completely honest, though. The last yeah. four, the last four m- months of 2001 had some bangers. Like, we're talking Donnie Darko was in it. We're talking Lord of the Rings, uh, Harry Potter. There's another couple that came out in October that I can't think of right off the top of my head. But, man, I'm the last. I think Fast and, Fast and Furious came out that uh, around that it, time. What a fucking year for film that was. Which is good because uh, we needed some fucking escape that year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we clearly needed a portal to another world. Game we didn't the, get uh, that this that, year. That this year year's was... uh, film releases include uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and Scoob. You know what I mean? Like, what movies have really came out this year? Nothing. Yeah, at this point, uh, we are worried that mo- the theaters are actually going to even be oh, survive this this whole situation, this whole pandemic. Uh, all uh, right. Anyway, that's, that's, that's too too depressing. Let's let's move on to ratings. 
<laughs> oh, right. Favorite. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, okay. Uh, Jason, why don't you take the lead on this one? This is the hardest time that I will ever can think of that I've had to try to give a favorite performance for a movie. Because there's, like, all of the performances are so fucking good. Um, I agree. Like, even the bit players, like, like Kitty, she's phenomenal. She's so, so good. good. Like, so fucking good at being a character that is that character. Like, she just nails it. Mm-hmm. Um. It's, it's. I mean, it's got to be Jake Gyllenhaal just simply because he carries much more of the weight of the movie on his shoulders than anybody else does. But I would hate to try to be a person who was trying to give a Best Supporting Actor award in this movie because all of the support cast of this film is phenomenal. It's it's a weird thing, like watching Justice League a couple of weeks ago and then going into this, it's like, whoo, you know what I mean? It's like going from watching a movie where everybody but Jason Momoa is phoning it in um, <laughs> and then to a movie where like the mailman is crushing it. You know what I mean? Like everybody. <laughs> it's so true. Everybody is bringing their fucking A game in this movie. Like, I mean, hell, uh, fucking Drew Barrymore doesn't have like the biggest role in this film, but she nails every second she's on screen. It's just like, like, so many people in this movie are just absolutely killing it. Well done, film. Yeah, well done indeed. I um, I'm super tempted to give it to Mary McDowell. Uh, this time around, I just the heartbreak as a mom that is put like as a parent now, and then watching her through this film, like struggling to kind of connect with Donnie, that felt like so real. Just her, her the way she's kind of detached from situation, but at the same time really trying to connect, she's playing that on so many levels. And that end where she's standing by the tree, just smoking that cigarette. It's so haunting. Well, yeah, because the uh, last thing he would have said I to her really was want to give it to her. Yeah, I know. I know. This, yeah, this movie just... And you see that on her face. In some ways, it does destroy. Yep. Yeah, the the I mean, because her last memory is that she feels like she never got to actually connect with him, and and she thinks that her son died, not you know liking her as a mom, which is obviously not the truth. But she, in some sense, you know, has that doubt in her mind, and she plays that. She, if you watch a performance, she she in that end, she's giving that performance. Uh. I'm so I want to give it to her, but Jake Gyllenhaal is the reason I fell for this movie. His performance, and you know what? I, I'll give it to Mary McDowell. I'm going to do a surprise. <laughs> it's just because she actually said hi to them. That's only Devin. Well, I knew I was thinking <laughs> the same shit. I was like, I was like, dude, if 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 the 
If the guy yeah. who worked for the airline said a high Vivian, it would have been his performance. I gotta give it to Jillian Hall. I'm surprised Christian Bale didn't Hall. get best performance. Um, I mean, it, it, he's the focal point of this. He does a, such a good job um, at portraying the character. Uh, you know, we, we don't have any this isn't a like a, a, a pre-written character that we all know. It's it's something very pure that he he puts out there in his interpretation of the character. And there's so many different movements and quirks that he has, and uh, to portray a, a a mental state character that he has to do out the gate. It's it's very uh, good to see. Uh, something like that, and I like I said, I, I think this is um, that's what have it. All right, you know what? Devlin turn coach. I'm telling, I'm getting on Twitter right now, telling my okay. Mary McDowell. Uh, I'm I'm going to pick Jake Gyllenhaal as well. Are you daring I me think... to do that? Because <laughs> you you will not. I already tweeted it. You, you to stop it right now. Dear Mary McDowell, you remember Vivin from that episode of that show you did with his cousin? He said that he was going to give you the best performance on our podcast that you've never heard of. But then he later revoked that and gave it to Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep. That's what's Sincerely happening. yours, Jason Quinn. Because it's professional as fuck, but it gets to the point. Why does it sound so perfect as a letter? You fucking Benedict Arnold. <laughs> Dear Mary. You just don't you just don't want to be that guy who didn't give me Jake Gyllenhaal. Just be honest. You don't want the fans to judge you. I I just I just want to be part of the team. Group. I don't want to be alone. All right, damn Get it. over it. I don't want to be alone. You got the points, man. You won. You got the points. Okay. That's true. You won. You don't need to. You don't need to have friends at this point. Uh, don't worry. There we go. There we go. All right, I'm switching back. To- <laughs> All right. Moving on to ratings, gentlemen. As a as a reliable no, we don't want you to back as out. As a reliable judge, shall I go back first out? And give okay, a uh, I'll go first. Okay. 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 Well, yeah. if he says his first, first can't change. Know what it's gonna be? So go ahead. Okay. Yeah, sure, yeah. I'm going to be okay. super objective. <laughs> Put stuff. Vote of confidence. Got your back, dude. Don't worry. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. So, look, it is a it is essentially a perfect film, but some of the points that Devlin makes is true in the sense that you do have to put in a lot of extra work to 
find that true satisfaction with this film. And for that reason, maybe, you know, if you were taking this movie just as the movie and nothing else, that could be frustrating. And I, just for that reason, I'll take a point away and I'll give it a nine. Uh, but if you're like Jason or me or any nerd who just sees this and goes, holy shit, there goes my life. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> dig 10 feet and keep going till I find mm-hmm. every nook and cranny and find out every rivet about the storyline. Then this is a perfect movie for you. Then it would be a 10. But for <clears throat> the general audience, this should be a 9. Okay. I'm not going to go into a diatribe. It's it's the um, that loses two point five points for me. That's that's it in a nutshell. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm going to give it a nine and a half. Um. I think had I got all of the information that I needed out of the theatrical version, I'd have given it a 10. Um, Because there was a need for, for more information. And if I had seen this movie in 2001, (laughs) when I really didn't have a hella internet access and shit, I think this movie would have pissed me off right <laughs> at the ending. So right. I love it now, but I know that I would have hated it then. So that's the reason why I'm giving it the, the 0.5. Off. Right. All right. Well, gentlemen, I think that we've, well, uh, fair. we've done Donnie Darko justice and uh, it's time to move on to segment two. All right. We've done the right. justice. Folks, we will yes. see you back here very shortly for segment two. Folks, welcome back to segment two of Know Your Cinema podcast. Uh, we are dubbing this the endless, uh, the endless episode. We'll just keep going and going and going. Uh, you can uh, put this episode on when you go on a long lo- road trip. Uh, so in this segment, uh, as usual, one of the hosts will ask a question that uh, hopefully will be a illumination of the by the responses the other two hosts give, or actually all three of the hosts uh, give to that question. This week, it's going to be Jason Quinn who has the question for us. Jason, do you have the question? This comes as just as big a surprise to, to me as it does to you. The uh, question? At home. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, <clears throat> no, to the audience at home, um, they're also shocked that I have the question, and as am I. So... <laughs> I I wanted I want to give it just my best shot 
And with this being October and being the month of Halloween, um, it makes me want to, to make this a Halloween question. So as simple as it is, what is your favorite Halloween memory and why? Okay, um, I'll take the reins on this one for out the gate. So uh, I lived in a town in southern Ohio called Radcliffe, Ohio. If you blink, you will miss this town. There's no stoplight. There's no nothing. But uh, we had one of the best Halloweens for such a small town. And I grew up in you know, the, the 80s and... The, the town's really, it's not big, but there are so many houses and so many people. Everybody gave out candy and gave out uh, varieties of candy. And I just remember every Halloween, there's not a specific memory, but every Halloween was always fun. Like walking around the neighborhood, you didn't have to have, uh, you know, parental supervision. We knew everybody in this town. Um, and just all the kids and all the costumes and, you know, being a little chill in the air. And then you get your, you know, your uh, treasure trove of candy and you take it back. And then uh, you're sifting through it to find the good stuff or and throwing away the bad stuff. Because, you know, there's always that one person that, like, gives you, like, crap candy. Uh, like those uh, those little peanut butter things in the orange and black uh Hey, fuck you. Those things are the backbone of Halloween. No, those things are disgusting. <laughs> or candy corn. Uh, there you go. Yeah, or candy corn, whatever. I mean, but they've only yeah. produced candy corn one time, I swear to God. They yeah. just keep reselling that shit. Right. <clears throat> I just I, I just always remember having the best Halloweens then. And then when we moved to uh, uh Darwin, Ohio, I I don't I don't remember like Halloween's being as extravagant or having the same feel to them. Um, like I said, if I if I took you guys to the town that I grew up in, you'd be like, okay, this is this is this is kind of you know all these houses together. This is kind of kind of cool, like because we'd have to walk um, uh, where I lived. We'd have to walk over to my uh, my un- my two uncles' houses up on the hill, and then. We'd have to go back down to where my grandmother's neighborhood was, and it was just like we could walk. We didn't have to like get in a car and drive everywhere. Like we'd just walk down because there was always a house on the on the road. So I, I just remember every Halloween always being fun when I lived there for those for the first nine years of my life. Uh, I don't really have a specific Halloween memory. I remember I had dressed up as Superman one year. Um, Dope. That was it. Was one of them old Big school. Superman. No, I wasn't thick then. I wasn't thick then, um, but I remember like having like the 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 suit and the and the uh, the cape and that that crappy like plastic mask with the shitty band on the end uh, on, around it that would almost break every time you put on it. Um, yeah, kind of like the the crappy masks <laughs> we have to wear now for COVID. Um, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I guess for me, it was just Halloween was just treated differently, I guess, in that time. I think I felt like people 
partook, partook in it more. It meant more. I, and, you know, times have changed and evolved, and I just think it was a little bit more uh, pure for the small town that I grew up in. Because it was something, like, the whole town got into. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, Columbus, you know, we're living here in the city. You know, we had the, every burg or borough or, or city around Columbus, the suburbs, have, like, their own, they call them beggar's nights. And it's, like, it's not, like, exciting and to watch these kids come around my neighborhood and some of them don't even have costumes. They're just walking around with bags. They're not putting effort into it. But when I was a kid, everybody put effort into their costumes. We went to school. Yeah, even if you were, uh, like, even if it was like some, like, even if you couldn't like afford to go out and get a whole bunch of shit, like yeah. your parents would make you a costume out of like toilet paper rolls and like, well, I, look, you know, like, magic a, marker. a couple years ago <laughs> when I was giving out candy, like in my neighborhood, um this this couple came up and they had their kids with them well the kids were all just like they looked like they were in street clothes but as i looked closer they were like different like rappers or r&b artists like one of them was dressed up like lisa left eye lopez and the other one was dressed up like tupac and the other one was dressed up like biggie and uh, and snoop dogg like they had like three kids that were all dressed up like that and i was like okay i get these costumes i thought they were just in in street clothes, but it was very creative of what they did. I even told their friends, like, I get it. That's very creative. Coolest costume I ever saw was a handmade costume. This girl uh, at my kid's school, her mom made her a bowl of Fruit Loops, and she cut up pool noodles to make the Fruit Loops. Right. And it was fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's super creative. Like, on on a cheap, you know, you, you don't know what what income people have, so they do what they have to do to make costumes. Sometimes, um, you know, I you know I grew up in a very poor uh, neck of uh, Ohio, so sometimes kids would just come dressed up like uh, a farmer or uh, you know a scarecrow or something like. They just take hay and put it in their in their sleeves. And it was, but it was creative at the same time. But you you knew that like they weren't going out and getting like these extravagant costumes, and they weren't super extravagant like they are now. Um, but you know, you've seen those things when I, like I said, when I was growing up. Viv. So Halloween wasn't a big uh, event for me growing up, but. I do remember. Can you say Halloween for me again? Yes, of course. Halloween. Okay. Okay. Because I was like, what's Halloween? I don't know what Halloween is. Halloween. Halloween. It's a. (laughs) Halloween, motherfucker. It's. (laughs) If I I just say that together, then it'll work. Okay, do it. Halloween, mother. Can I just stop right there? No, say like Sam Jackson would. Like if you come up to Sam Jackson's house. Okay. All right. I'm I'm in the scene. All right. So I'm at Sam Jackson's house. In action. Trick or treat. It's Halloween, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Continue with your story. Halloween Halloween wasn't special in your house. 
I'm good. Yeah, it wasn't special at all. So there I was, you know, uh, it's high school. And uh, I was taking, um, I was part of the FFA, FAA program. Future, future Farmers of America? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Oh man, uh, your nerd level just went up like ten points. <laughs> All right, continue. Uh, Learning all kinds I, uh, of stuff about Viv in the day. Yes, I was uh, definitely uh, hitting big with some of those aquarium contests and uh, raising cattle and milk drinking contests. Um, like that's far like, in, like in Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah. Trying to, try to guess what what the, what the cow ate. So, uh, FFA, FFA, FAA, FFA, 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 high school. So during the hall, during Halloween month, they would, uh, FFA. our team would basically convert all the hallways and they had this huge back room slash garage that they usually kept all of the materials from the school, the supplies, but they would convert all of that to, we would just basically make a, um, um, what's it called? The um, a maze, a um, one of those haunted haunted houses. That's the word I'm looking for. Haunted houses. So, getting to actually create the haunted house, and um, we would actually dress up as different characters and just going through the creative process of creating a haunted house and putting on a show. Those were a lot of fun. So we got to do that for all three years that I was part of that program. So getting to spend a lot of the, um, especially the month of October and seeing a lot of your friends from high school come and, you know, be a part of that experience. That's probably my favorite um, part of Halloween. Very good. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I figured you were going to go with like seeing my kids go on Halloween for the first time, but that's a good memory too. Yeah, uh, well, it will be. So we haven't had that experience. Oh, you yet. haven't you haven't taken the kids out for Halloween yet? No, not well, yet. Not Vigo, not but yet. I mean, Aria never went out for Halloween yet. Uh, last year we almost did, but it didn't work out. Ah. So she hasn't had that experience yet. I, Beth is like super excited for it to happen. Sure. I just, you know, I'm like, eh, we'll make it happen. But she's like, we gotta do it. I'm like, all right, fine. Just, just, just go to the <laughs> costumes. We'll make it happen. You know, I'm all about Christmas, so right. I'm just waiting to get to Christmas. Right. But I understand. I think, we're all, I think all of us are about Christmas. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Jason, what's yours, buddy? I have, uh, I have like a lot of them. To be fair, um, I have three that stick out the most. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> two of them involve haunted houses. Um, so the first one takes place when I was much younger. My, my cousin, Sonny, uh, so first off, my dad was head of security or a lead manager of security, whatever. He was, he was one of the heads of security at the Polaris Amphitheater in Columbus when it was Polaris and into when it was Jermaine. And they used to do this thing <clears throat> called Shocktoberfest. I remember and that. Okay. It was like a big haunted house thing that they did there. It was awesome. I think I went to those. 
Well, <clears throat> my cousin, who was probably maybe 10 at the time, maybe maybe 12, 13 max, right, um, said that she really wanted to go. I think she's probably like 12. So she really wanted to go. And my dad was like, well, she told, he told my, his sister, he was like, well, if she really wants to go, why doesn't she come up? you know, after, when it's all closed down on one of the nights that it's not running and just kind of go through the haunted houses when there's nobody in it, you know what I mean? And then if she can get through that, then maybe we can see about her going through, you know, regularly, right? Right. So uh, my dad, this is probably one of the coolest things he ever did, to be fair, one of, one of at least. He contacts everybody in the family like all of the family and then brings us all up and hides us in the particular haunted house in costume. Okay. So my cousin thinks she's about to walk through this haunted house with nobody in it. <laughs> but my entire family is hiding in this haunted house in the costumes. And it's like a, a clown one and there's like fortune tellers and like my grandma's in there and shit like it was it was amazing wow um so needless to say she freaks the fuck out <laughs> and is full-on dead-ass scared going through this and then never ends up going to the shocktoberfest regularly but i just i remember that feeling of like we're about to do something amazing here. You know what I mean? And it was like before the time of like, everybody had a cell phone camera and shit. So there's no video of it, but like, oh man, it was fantastic. Um, another fantastic time. One time I went through a haunted uh, hayride with my, uh, my mom and <clears throat> she's really afraid of dolls. And she's actually just really afraid of all the things. So she goes through and like, we're young at the time and we're with a, f a family friend who has even younger children. And <clears throat> my mom is walking through this haunted forest and she sees this character um, come at her and she freaks the fuck out. And she grabs this little girl who we're with around the neck in a chokehold and starts no. running through the woods with her, screaming, Save the children! <laughs> so that shit was fucking brilliant. And then awesome. later on, we worked at that haunted house when we were older. That whole, that haunted forest. And so we going, like, <clears throat> I, I was in this one particular part of the haunted forest where these walls would fall down, right? We, they were on a pulley system and they would drop to a certain place when people would walk through them, right? So when they, when they go through my area, I drop walls on them and they start running because the walls are collapsing, right? And then yep. just outside of that area in the woods, we buried mattresses. So it looks like normal ground, but then when you are walking on solid ground and then you instantly walk on a mattress, you lose all control of your body. <laughs> and you always fall. Right. 
<laughs> you 100% of the time fall. So yeah, that's hilarious. This group of people were come through, came through, and they were it was four couples, right? Well, <clears throat> the dudes in this group were mad afraid of everything, right? And I knew that as they're coming through, and I could see that, and I'm scaring the shit out of them with the walls, and they fall down. Well, right through the woods, but it's actually like five minutes. It's five minutes in the in the path uh, that the people were walking, five to ten minutes, but it's literally right on the other side of me. So I can get there in like 30 seconds. They have to take like seven minutes to get there. After they run past me and they get scared, uh, that 30-second walk through the woods is my brother and his friend, and they have chainsaws. <clears throat> so they go through. The comes through me and the, the dudes are freaking out and they're you know they're trying to get through but they're not having a good time um but then they 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 carry on over and so i walk over to see what my what they do when my brother gets to them right so <clears throat> they start walking up and I, i'd warn my brother i'm like bro like wait till the very last second to pop out you know so he does, and he crushes the pop out, right? And every single one of the dudes sacrificially pushes their girlfriends at the chainsaw and takes off running. It was fucking so beautiful. <laughs> like, one of the most beautiful wow. things I had ever seen. Wow. Um, I don't know how, you know, they, that relate, those relationships... But uh, I love that. Um, and then my, my final favorite one, I know I have a lot, but Halloween was a big thing to me. So because my birthday is December 20th, uh, I, never, <clears throat> I never really got birthday parties um, because nobody wanted to come to a birthday party in December. It was, it's the 20th of December, so everybody's usually either out of town or doing stuff with family. So it was really, growing up, I didn't have, like, birthdays weren't as big a deal. They were to me, but that didn't mean that they were to everybody else. So the most people that I ever had at a birthday party before I became an adult was, like, one. <laughs> so, so as a result, my parents wanted to make up for that. And they saw that I had this huge love for like horror and Halloween and all that stuff. So I got to throw Halloween parties. Um, and one particular Halloween party, I first moved to Buckeye Valley. I got to throw this Halloween party. And <clears throat> I, I picked random people that were going to stay overnight with me. Um, like afterwards, we were camping out and shit. And I I don't know if he actually knows this and he doesn't listen to the show so it doesn't really matter but my I accidentally invited one more person right so there was I was inviting this this group of five people and this I had just moved to this place and so I'd only been in school for like two months in this, with these people right well the one guy overhears me inviting all of these people and he thinks that I'm inviting him too. Right. 
So mm-hmm. I'm not a bad guy. So I'm like, you know, then I just go with it and he comes also, right? And he's staying the night. Well, <clears throat> that particular guy that stayed the night is my best friend, Jordan. And that is because of that party is when we became like best friends. So huh. that little that's a- mishap <laughs> is what led to us becoming best friends. So that that's the final of my. That's memory. a that's a very very cool story. Your your chainsaw story reminded me of a story. I wasn't here. I wasn't present during the story, but uh, I, I want to tell a story about my best friend Matt. Um, you guys all met Matt, so um, mm-hmm. you know how he was. Um, yep. So m- my friend Stephanie, who also uh, passed away this past year, um, after Matt passed away, I because I, I wasn't present, but I always remember the story, but I couldn't tell it verbatim. So I had her actually um, tell the story on Facebook so everybody could enjoy this this story of my, my best friend Matt. So I'm going to read it kind of ver- verbatim from her words. So she said, so one year at the Haunted Hoochie, I told everyone that I was afraid of chainsaws, which Matt Singer, you never told anyone you were too. Uh, We went through the open forest and here comes the chainsaws. Matty drops to the ground screaming, they're cutting off my legs, cutting, cutting my legs off. (laughs) Matty got his footing and grabbed the first person to run by, which was none other than Karen Davis. And and uh, Maddie grabbed Karen and pushed her forward and yelled, take her. She's bigger than me. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. That's funny as hell. It's awesome. And I, so the, the funny part of that story is I don't, I don't go to haunted houses not because I'm scared of them. It's because I don't enjoy them. So, like, I will walk through and people are trying to scare you. And I'm just kind of, like, no selling it the whole time. So, I'm like, I'm not wasting money. To not be scared. So, um, as I like the first two that I ever went to, I'm like, this is crap. Like, you guys are not scaring me. So, um, the, they came back from the Haunted Hoochie and they were like, Matt was just like a, like a child. Halloween was like his holiday. So he was like a big kid when it came to this. And he, um, came in and he was telling me the story and I'm like doubled over in laughter because Karen is standing in front of me and Stephanie's standing in front of me and, and if you've seen Karen and I'm like if you knew it, like how Karen is she's a very sweet person um, but she is she is a bigger girl and I'm like I can, I'm like Matt I cannot believe you pushed Karen <laughs> into the people with chainsaws <laughs> to save yourself <laughs> you son of a bitch <laughs> But it was just so funny because I can I'm I picture Matt in my head doing that. Even then I pictured him screaming and, and running away and pushing Karen. Because that's stuff that he would do. Because we I went to we we went to um Cedar Point one year, we went through like a haunted house and that this son of a bitch is just like every time something happened, he's like grabbing me and like pushing me and I'm like, get off of me, you jerk. <laughs> So like that that story like your chainsaw story reminded me of that so I had to pull that up and share that with everyone. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
Yeah, that <clears throat> Halloween is Halloween has always been like that thing that I've always loved, man. I I'm a I'm a much bigger Christmas fan like now, but when I was growing up, it was definitely Halloween. Like it was a hundred percent the opposite. Like I thought I thought Christmas was cool, but like Halloween was like life for me. Yeah, I I've always <laughs> been straight Christmas. Like I don't know. It's the season. I don't know. It's the it's the time of year. It's the it's the music. It's the movies. I everything encompassed about Christmas. We'll we'll get to the we'll get to Christmas eventually. But uh, uh, Jason, I think it's um time that we reveal the third movie of the four weeks that we will be watching. So we don't have to use the wheel. We all know it's your pick. So go ahead and let us all know what we're going to be watching next week. I'm having, I've been having, I've been battling back and forth between these two movies okay. for, for a long time. Okay. And I keep, one of them I know is for sure a horror film. The other one I think counts more as a thriller. Okay. One of them is the movie that genuinely scared the shit out of me. And the other one is a movie that is one of my favorite movies. So okay. <clears throat> I'm battling internally on which one to pick. And I just, I, I don't, I'm, I'm struggling here. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on the wheel. Did you just uh, bang a gong? It was the wheel. Um, oh, okay. I'm going to put on the wheel. Uh, this, these two movies. And I'm going to spin for myself. Okay. To pick. Okay. So we still get to spin the wheel this week. Okay. Um, so here goes. Okay, this week we are watching one of my favorite movies, and it is called Identity. Is that John oh. Cusack? Uh, yeah. Okay. Identity. Identity. I believe I've seen okay. it. Okay. Okay. I can't think of it off. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, I believe I have it upstairs. I think Matt really liked that movie, so. I think I have it upstairs. I have to check. Absolutely love it. What was the What um, was the other one? But for chance, it's called Darkness Falls. Oh yeah the the uh, the the Tooth Fairy movie. Yeah, that movie. No, that, 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 that movie's got a good. Uh, yeah, it's got a really good uh, scare in it like in, in the in the very beginning. So I would have been okay with that one too. That would have been fine. Yeah. So yeah, if you're so hearing this and you're voting in all of this, you know, pick Darkness Falls, <laughs> so that I can saddle that pony for the for the uh, end of the whole thing. Hey Viv, are you still with us? Have you? Uh, yes, yes, I am. Uh, have we? When are when are we putting out okay. the, uh, uh, the uh, poll for the weird. folks? Uh, we lost Viv, but um, I think that uh, we've. Uh, Got the question answered. We had some fun with that question. 
That's a good question, Jason. Um, but uh, as a side note, uh, make sure that you are checking out our social media this week. Uh, know Your Cinema Podcast, as we will be putting out uh, a poll for you to vote in. We're going to leave that up until um, the third week of the month uh, for you to be able to put, uh, put a nomination in for the movie that we will eventually put into a poll. So um, keep an eye out for that. Make sure that you nominate a movie, just one movie. Don't put two or three, whatever think you think that we should watch. We do have a couple of rules. I want to make sure that we make sure that are clear. Um, no uh, violence against children in the movie. Um, I don't really know, Jason, that's kind of your rule. What would you say like would be an age range? Like teenagers are okay, but yeah, I would say young teenagers are okay. Young children, no, it's not so much. Not so gotcha, much. gotcha. All right, um, and then I have a rule: no violence against domestic animals like dogs or cats or anything like that. Um, I'm a very big animal lover, and I don't. It, it, not that it would affect me to want to see it because there was part in The Witcher that happened, and it. Didn't, it was off screen, so it didn't really affect me too much. But it was just the sight of the dog; it just it gets under my skin. So uh, try not to pick any, nominate any movies that have those uh, scenes or violence in them. Uh, I, I would appreciate it, and Jason and Viv would appreciate the other rule as well. Um, but uh, again, we're going to be as a group choosing three of those movies to put up in a poll for everybody to vote on. Uh, we we found that this would be the easiest way to get one solid movie instead of putting you know twenty five thirty movies on a, a poll for you to vote on. We're not, we'll eliminate it down to just three. So we want to make sure that it's interactive for everybody, um, but also uh, easy for us to kind of make sure that we get the right movie um, for us to watch. So, Jason, you have anything to add on that, or anything else you'd like to say to the fans? No, uh, if you like Darkest Falls, nominate them. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, also, no, uh, no Nightmare on Elm Streets until uh, unless you want to throw, we'll throw the second one anyways. in there. Uh, that would be the only one that we would be able to watch since we watched the first in the series. We'd have to go down the line. But uh, yeah. Unfortunately, un- unfortunately, we Which have lost uh, I'd really Vivian's like to audio. Uh, he can't hear us, but we have lost Vivian's audio with technical difficulty. So um, I'm going to go ahead and take us out on this second segment. Um, as always, um, my best friend Matt always had a great saying when the twins lost, and it was all is right in the world. And today, all is right in the world, folks. Beautiful. Jason, you want to lead us out? Um, yeah, sure. Um, thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate it. I can't, if you made it this far, then you are absolutely incredible. Making it through two movies. People haven't done that in like a year. <laughs> So I truly appreciate that. Thank you so much. 
Um, and I just want to remind everybody um, to never take uh, take life too seriously because you'll never make it out alive. Very good. And unfortunately, Vivin's not here, but he would probably say something very hip. He can hear me, so he's probably going to give me crap. Like, uh, drink your latte um, and enjoy your southern sweet tea. Something goofy and crappy like that, but. Probably like uh, you know, support your local 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 coffee yeah. shop. Be kind, rewind. Be kind, rewind. Your local bookstore, uh, something like that. Yeah, get your pumpkin spice lattes yeah. while they're out. Um, first off, I'll first off, we can't really bring that on Viv because yeah. you and I are bigger well, pumpkin not spice fans. Than I, I do enjoy most <laughs> everything else pumpkin spice. I'm basic. I get it. Oh my gosh. You know what's you know what's no I can't. Can hear you it. hear Vivin, Devlin? Oh wait, can oh, you? No. See, because I hear Vivin. I hear Vivin. Yes, I do. Crazy. That's the whole thing. I just I I I I surmise that it's not. But if you can hear him, I can't. Yeah, hear him. I don't know. So this is so strange. And like maybe maybe Vivin's like Frank yeah. for me, <laughs> and you're getting like I'm getting him. Well, in your mind, I think that uh, well for I think we, those uh, who can't need hear to shut me. it down for the night and. Uh, Gonna move yes. on to, so we can watch this uh, this movie that you've uh, <laughs> you've given us identity. So both uh, of you I have never I've seen, seen this film. That's correct. I really do in my head. Possibly. It, it has is it is it Ray Liotta or John Cusack or both of them in it? I don't know if Ray Liotta's in it or not, but I know John Cusack's in it and. Uh, so is the guy who plays uh, okay. Dr. Cox in Scrubs. And, and it's, yeah, 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 it takes yeah. place I, primarily I at a motel. It does have Ray Liotta in it. I was right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've seen this before. I just, I, I don't know if it was memorable to me or not, but I will, I'm definitely going to give it the, the thorough watch this time. Cool. Oh, look, I'm super pumped about it. All right, guys. Me too. We will see you next week right. for Identity. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. Good night.